social events with a double of 1983 or 2020s depending on how you see it grizzly 2 and 1978's jaws 2 and who brought who brought me this amazing double that i can actually wait to get into at the moment well he's the host of the true family affair that is the new world podcast it's ryan hey how's it going hey i'm doing good uh, how are you doing Lindsay? i'm doing really well thank you for coming on and thank you for suggesting jaws 2 and grizzly 2 um because i had <laughs> seen either of these and both of these oh, were a surprise okay. in completely different ways <laughs> uh, yeah okay that's yes uh, i'm glad that you are um thanking me for putting grizzly 2 in your life um <laughs> For so many different ways. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm surprised by that reaction, but I'm very pleased to hear it. No, it was um as I was saying to off mic, I was rewatching some of the concert scenes because I just had to wrap my head around a few <laughs> certain things and mm -hmm. reading an article. And there's a few things you need to piece together with Grizzly. Um, as we will get into. <laughs> um, yes. But yes. Oh, very much so. Um, now. Because it is um, October and this is kind of the season where everyone uh -huh. wants to watch spooky, scary movies. What's kind of the horror movies that you tend to gravitate toward in October? Um, I, you know, I tend to watch a lot of the same stuff, I think because of the pandemic that has mm. been going on. And uh, I hope newsflash to anyone that is unaware that this is happening. But um, but there's a pandemic that's been going on, and uh, I hope you haven't just woken up from a coma and discovered <laughs> this. But um, but uh, so I think I've been able to actually do the horror movie a day mm. kind of schedule that I always am ambitiously trying to pull off, but various things keep me from doing so. So this year, um, I'm trying to like mix in not just my usual classics that I want to revisit every year, but also throw in a lot of stuff I haven't seen. Um, this year we're doing a 31 and 31 um, as a as a collective. Me and my my co-hosts Erica and Mark. We're all trying to watch this. Uh, I've created this whole uh, schedule on Letterboxd, and we're getting through. We're doing a lot of sequels because it's our two year anniversary for the podcast. Um, a lot of number twos, I should mm -hmm. say, for sequels. And um, so, and and this year I am running a little heavy on Italian horror, which is something that I really do gravitate towards. Not only just the horror films, but the crime films and uh there's a lot of like i've always enjoyed italian films but there's still a lot of holes in my watch list so um i'm always trying to fill that with you know uh, new films and new discoveries so 
uh, Italian movies are generally awesome. I, I know the feeling. And when you think you've watched, oh, I think I've seen all the main ones, all the Fulci's, all the Argentos when you're first mm-hmm. starting and then you realize, mm-hmm. oh, wait, there's like three other layers. <laughs> yeah. You can go down yeah. to like the crime movies. Um, and the comedies for the Fulci. comedies. Yeah. I've I just mean, started finding those. It's, it's been, he, it's been he amazing. He has so much stuff that I have yet. There's like a whole like decade of his work that I haven't even begun to to dig into so yeah you really really do it's a fascinating fascinating thing and just the breadth of it is absolutely incredible um how is the uh, new world podcast going you have two years is a huge achievement two years yeah thank you um it's been going really well uh we started just to have a good time and um we thought we'd have fun doing it and we're surprised that people enjoy listening to us um and we've we started realizing i think like a year in we started realizing there's not a lot of other people talking about new world pictures movies and we might as well try to make it a little bit more inclusive of like the history and try to really research each movie and try to also bring in people that made the movies which which we're starting to sort of interview people as well and bonus episodes in between uh movie episodes so you know we we're really pleased with how it's been going we've been having a great time and uh very pleased with how it's been so no, with especially um, the bre- again breadth of New World. I sort of always thought there was one corner of the movies Coleman did, and then he released, and what New World Pictures was. And then listening to your podcast, I'm just reeling these a whole bunch of movies I didn't even realize were even near New World, and were actually either distributed, produced, something or other in the middle. Um, and it's kind of been a fascinating go through. Going, oh wow, I didn't even realize Fantastic Planet was distributed in in the states by New World. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Actually, I just discovered one last night just uh, by happenstance came across one that I was like, I didn't even I never even heard of this one. So I continue to just trip over these movies that I had did not realize um, that New World even put out. So it's 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 constantly discovering, oh, my gosh, they did this one, too, which, you know, is great. But also knowing that we have a huge task in front of us watching all of these movies. But um, but we're we're you know, we're down to do it. So we're and it's no, it's a great show. And I'm really enjoying it since I discovered it, because, yeah, you oh, just go you. through every single um, these movies that you would not even think. Oh, oh, of course, that was. Yes. And so it's um it's way more eclectic than I thought it would be. And yeah, uh-huh. and the, your bonus interviews are great. And you're just getting into the history of this kind of studio that did so much, but you're right. Don't, doesn't get as talked about as some of the other like Canon or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think Canon like had such a specific now new world pictures at the time at Canon was really taken off. And I mean, really the Golan and Globus era of mm. it. Um, that's really when Corman had sold the company for the most part. Yeah. And it was owned by uh, new people, which I always say, on the podcast, I feel like they had much less of a sensibility of what to put out than Corman. Yeah. They didn't really quite, they really were at that point, it was, they were just putting out anything and everything. It's such a diverse slate that they put out. And when I normally, we do an episode on a movie, I'll always talk about where it fell in, you know, the chronology of New World Pictures and what else was released mm. before it and after it. And it's just wild. <laughs> it just feels like they're putting out 
so many different movies. It's like, what are you doing? And uh, particularly that point in time when Canon was really had a, a very like sort of distinct identity. Not that they didn't do things like the Apple or, mm. you know, um, they the didn't do sci-fi. Of Macbeth, and, which, yeah, which yes. I find very strange. <laughs> yeah. Not that they didn't do some weird movies, but they, but they definitely had like, you know, the American Ninja, the death yeah. wish of it. You know, they had a certain identity, which I love too. I mean, I was, mm. I loved all the Canon stuff uh, at the time. And, you know, it was a big video store guy so i used to watch all that stuff but uh new world pictures at that time was just so all over the place so weird so i think that's why they get a little lost Mm. uh in that kind of conversation yeah and so please check out uh ryan's show with your brother and your wife isn't it so it is quite correct yeah yeah Yeah, it's my brother and my wife yeah Yeah. they're my co-hosts eric and mark (laughs) yeah eric it's a little weird being here without them but i I'm, i'm hoping to represent them well (laughs) <laughs> well, yes, getting well, as we're going to get into Grizzly 2, I couldn't help watching it and thinking, oh my God, what song would Erica start singing? Because <laughs> there's so many to choose from. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't even, I don't think she has seen this one yet. And I think she would be like me though. She would be very, she would love all the concert stuff, but yeah. which we'll, 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 we'll dive into. into. Mm-hmm. But first of all, as we are sitting down to watch um, Grizzly 2, uh, we're going to be showing trailers as usual. So Ryan, what would be the first trailer you would show for Grizzly 2? Okay. So my first trailer, I, I, I'm really tempted to just keep the lights down and just play the Predators song, So Good, So Pure, So Kind, that comes up <laughs> yes. in Grizzly 2, which I did not realize till watching it, you know, that this was a complete new romantic banger a song that I needed in my life until I heard it but um I would actually go on to I was actually going to start with uh, the day of the animals however uh I felt like that was almost too close because this was the follow-up that uh, William Girdler did to Grizzly so I instead I decided uh I'm going to go with the Wraith from 1986. Oh interesting Charlie Sheen and the yes yes an evil force took his life an unearthly power has brought him back he is a phantom a wraith a cosmic spirit given another chance uh are you new in town yeah who's the kid i turned my back and the next second he was there like magic almost you ever seen one of those before nah, let's just add it to our collection Yes, yeah. I, I I did. Yeah, I saw this couple the first time uh, a few years ago, and I definitely enjoyed this one. Yeah, this this is such a, a crazy, weird movie, which Charlie Sheen like shot right before he left uh, to go to the Philippines to shoot Platoon. So mm-hmm. he was already like cast to do that. And uh, what's funny is that he's not in a large part of the movie, which makes perfect sense with Grizzly too. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And also it's a revenge story, which is the other reason for it is, is he's kind of coming back uh, as he sort of comes back as this uh, lost brother and boyfriend to, to get revenge. Um, And it's it's a funny story that uh, he did it before Platoon because actually came out a month before Platoon. Oh, that would have been fascinating. (laughs) And so, yeah, Oliver Stone apparently saw it and was very upset with Charlie Sheen. It was like, this is going to color people's perceptions of Platoon, which I don't, I don't think that was at all a problem. (laughs) There'd be only a very few people who went to the Wraith and then went on to Platoon. I think it would have been more the other way around. I'd love to meet the person that was like, I never saw Platoon because I saw the Wraith and I was like, no, no, if this is Charlie Sheen, I don't like him. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. This is not going to happen. Um, yeah, I, yep, I'm out. 
No, this is a really, really smart trailer for this. Um, no, because it is kind of, yeah, you're right. He doesn't really show up for quite a while. And when he does, he's kind of almost in the background. And it's kind of a yeah. fascinating, especially because he was just about to shoot Platoon and I guess explode with all the Charlie Sheen-ness um, of Platoon. Um, <laughs> it's a fascinating move to go with, um, yeah, with, with the Wraith. So that's an excellent choice. Oh, thank you. Um, hmm, okay, I am going to go with first. I'm going to go... Um, I'm going to go King Kong from 1976, uh, John Gilliman, okay. but more importantly, Dina De Laurentiis. 1976, the American merchant vessel Petrox Explorer has just set sail from the port of Surabaya in search of oil. What they find will shock the world. We may be sailing into the history books. They will catch a stowaway. And landing on the beach of the skull, where he heard the roar of the greatest beast. They will rescue a beautiful castaway. She's alive! You know, maybe my luck has changed. And they will discover an uncharted island that is the home of the most incredible creature on the face of the earth. A creature called Kong. Another okay. movie with a crazy producer and a <laughs> giant um, robotic creature that probably didn't work as well as it was meant to. Um, okay, to be fair, I have not seen this movie in a while, but my memory yeah, of me it neither. is um, uh, it's it's a, it's kind of crazy and you don't really see much of the robot. Um, I think you sort of see mm -hmm. more of um, Dan Wilson doing the... Um, the ape work and then De Laurentiis being crazy in the corner yelling about a giant robotic um King Kong that would eventually go in the universal um tour guide tour thing um uh -huh. but yeah that is my first trailer <laughs> yeah I haven't seen this one in a while and I definitely think this is my first King Kong that I ever saw as I well. think it was mine as well yeah 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 which is so weird to think about but you gotta love Jeff Bridges Jessica Lang just, Jessica Lang you know, yes yeah um so great in that and uh yeah, I definitely think that their robotic um, King Kong worked better than the robotic bear in Grizzly 2. <laughs> like, without a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> but I'm sure they probably had problems that they were like, oh, man. Uh, problems that would have just seemed cute in comparison by the people working on Grizzly 2. <laughs> yes, I know, poor Grizzly 2 people. Because um, I did sort of read an article about how they were sort of questioning, do we need the robot? And De Laurentiis, because he's De Laurentiis, was just like, no, we are using that really expensive, massive King Kong robot and we're going to get at least one shot of it. <laughs> that is it. That is it. Um, so, yeah, it's got, I haven't seen it for a while, but I thought it made a good trailer just because, you know, Grizzly 2 is all about the, well, the crazy producer who left after the first day, but uh, Grizz Grizzly right. 2's history is absolutely fascinating. So, yes, my yes. first trailer. <laughs> what is going to be your second trailer? Um, well, in keeping with, um, see, I do this Thursday night movie group with a bunch of my buddies. We did this since the uh, uh, pandemic started, mm -hmm. and we actually watched The Wraith during that as well, which was great. And I'm going to keep with that because uh, while I was thinking of doing another movie, like um, we just did Return of the Killer Tomatoes mm -hmm. on on um, the New World Pictures <laughs> podcast. Um, but I was like, you know, there's not a lot of Clooney in that trailer, uh, you know, so I wanted to stick with something that tried to at least keep somewhat with the bonkers quality that mm. Grizzly 2 has. And that is uh, Mosquito, a.k.a. Blood Fever, a.k.a. Night Swarm from 1994. <laughs> nice. 
from the producers of The Blob and Prince of Darkness and the special effects wizards behind Evil Dead 3, Hard Target, and Batman Returns comes the science fiction film of the year. It came from another galaxy. It transformed one of Earth's smallest insects into a bloodthirsty swarm of terror. I have heard of this, but I have not seen it. So I'm really looking forward to watching that trailer. Um, yeah. yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, it is, a, it is a crazy film. It's director Gary Jones is his debut. He was mm-hmm. an uh, effect, special effects guy yeah. and makeup artist. And he'd worked with Sam Raimi on a bunch of stuff. He's, this is shot in Michigan. And he worked on like starting with Crime Wave. And then he did Evil Dead 2. And he also did Moontrap, which is another Michigan mm-hmm. uh, uh, sci-fi movie with Bruce Campbell in it. And he actually did also Hard Target. And then he works on this one. He does his, his first uh, movie on his own. Mm. And they are trying to just, uh, they really are trying to shoot for like, uh, they're trying to make a $100 million movie on like less than a million dollars. And they really are going for it. And I think like if it, it, they, they have a bunch of local actors, they also have the Stooges guitarist, Ron Ashton, as well as in it, and Gunnar Hansen, who, oh, who played Leatherface. Yes. So he's also in this. And he does have a scene where he, he pulls out the longest chainsaw I think I've ever seen in a <laughs> film. But the thing about it is if it was just like a regular size mosquito, mm. um, like we, re- we just recently did an episode on Slugs, the movie Slugs. Yes, he did, yes. And, uh, and, so if they had just done regular size mosquitoes, I think that this wouldn't be so great. But mosquito is about uh, a, a, like a ship crashing on Earth from space. And we don't really ever get to see the creature, but a mosquito bites the pilot that, yeah. the, who's dead in, in the crash. And then they mutate to these giant mosquitoes. Oh, so that actually amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it is like in the right away, you see a mosquito bite it. And then instantly the main couple like hits one with her car. And they yeah. start figuring out what's going on. And it's a mix of like uh, puppetry and like stop motion. Uh, and some of the shots where they are all flying in a swarm are just an absolute delight. And um, there's a lot of POV shots of the mosquito. So there's a lot of like DNA of like the Evil mm. Dead movies and some of the Sam Raimi stuff. So I, I was just, uh, I loved it. I fell in love with it. And I was like, yeah, I got it. It's, it's, it's arguably maybe a bit better made in fact i think it is much better made than grizzly too i um, things up, but <laughs> i mean it's sort of miles above but like it still has a sort of crazy quality that i think fits with with grizzly too yeah no this looks absolutely amazing yeah i mean you're gonna hansen and ron ashton in a giant mosquito movie i mean what else <laughs> yeah that's really so yeah so random <laughs> um my final trailer, I decided to go with something different, just mainly because um, it's actually a documentary. It Shirk is from 2018. Whenever you're ready. Now. In the summer of 1992, my friends and I shot a road movie on the streets of Singapore called Shirkers. I was the screenwriter and played the heroine, a 16-year-old killer named S. Did you feel it was childish? Yeah, but that was the beauty of it, right? Uh, uh, our passion and our earnestness 
came through. Sophie was the producer. Jasmine was the editor. George was the director. Are you rolling? Yeah. I was going to go with Gone with the Pope, but I haven't actually seen that yet. Um, but Shirkers is this really fascinating documentary about these three uh, film school friends in Singapore who go out and make a movie, call it Shirkers, and then their possible film teacher or producer pretty much runs away with all their film cans and the movie's lost. Um, huh. And it's kind of this journey of them trying to find this movie again. And they do find it, but they don't have it with the sounds. So you're getting glimpses of them making this movie back in 1992 and this kind of figure who was their teacher, their um, mentor, and then all of a sudden how he just screwed them over. It's a really amazing documentary, actually. Um, oh, wow. I've never seen this. And that sounds perfect. Yeah. It's kind of because <laughs> you do piece this movie together, which very much like Grizzly uh -huh. is. Um, and it, yeah, it's, but it's a really, I think it's on Netflix. I think it was a Netflix bought, bought one. So it's, okay. I think it's really easy to get, but no, it's a really, really great documentary. It was my last minute one. I was rewatching the concert scenes going, I think Shirkers is going to fit a lot better. <laughs> I got to check this out. That sounds totally terrific. Yeah. This definitely has one of the wildest, uh, you know, behind the scenes stories that I've ever seen. Like this, I don't even know if I've gotten the entire story and I've read oh. several, I read several articles. I was yes. watching an interview before we started recording. I, I just, it's fascinating. It really is fascinating. Cause when you start reading about, um, uh, Grizzly, when you start watching Grizzly 2. What happened now? Grizzly killed again. Three kids this time. I don't want a cloud of fear on this concert. Now you get that, Grizzly, and get it now. This Grizzly's claw marks reach 18 feet off the ground. 27 inches the rear pads, 18 inches the fore. On firm soil, three inches deep. It's very bad. You got the devil there. The first thing you notice is uh, well, actually, I'll go back. Last year, there was this whole thing about, oh, Grizzly 2 is finally going to come out. Um, mm -hmm. And it was, again, all these articles came out about it. It sounded absolutely fascinating. Um, and there was came out and then no one kind of talked about it again, which after seeing the movie again, but that's <laughs> a fascinating movie. Um, <laughs> I think I enjoyed it more in my sick, uh, when I thought about it during the actual, but not the actual watching of it. Um and then, yeah, you read these articles and then then you kind of piece it together with the thing that's in front of you, which is not a finished movie, even though it's finished. I mean, there's a whole bunch of modern inserts, which you can tell. I didn't even click the first time I watched it that the whole thing was the fact that a baby bear got murdered at the beginning, even though I saw it because <laughs> it's an insert, a modern insert. I didn't click it with the rest of the movie. Um, and then you just get these kind of bizarre, almost feels like rough cuts of them, of this movie. And when you're watching it, it's okay because you hear about the George Clooney, the Charlie Sheen, and the Laura Dern of it all when they're in the beginning, but mm -hmm. then you don't realize that John uh, John Reese Davies or um, Deborah Foreman or Louise Fletcher is in this movie, and yeah. it's yeah. kind of like, what is happening? Um, so this was my first watch and my first experience. Did you see it when the DVD was released last year? 
I, I, and I think it got released here, like in the top of the year. And that's yeah. when I, I watched it and I actually got, I got, I bought the disc and mm-hmm. got it to re, to make sure that I could watch it again. And I watched it a couple of times for this. And, but I was really much, such a bigger fan of the original. Yes. Um, and I love the original. So I think that's what really piqued my interest on the second mm. one. Not only the fact that this was a movie that had like been made a long time ago and just never been finished, but, um, but yeah, I just, I just love the original. I wanted to see what this, and this is barely anything to do with the original outside of the fact that there was a script from the original co-screenwriter yes. and his wife. But I mean, who knows how much of that is even in the movie at this point? I mean, I there's certain scenes, I think, but I mean, there's so much that's not there that, I mean, it feels very still incomplete and it, yet was a complete experience. Oh, it absolutely was. Because <laughs> um, the thing I love about this double it is sequels that are kind of trying to match these great directors. And I love William Girdler. There's still a couple I haven't seen, like Abby, because I haven't tracked that down yet, but yeah, I yeah. love Grizzly. I love that's, Davey that, It's on YouTube. Yeah. You can find it on YouTube. It's an awful version, but yeah. we watched it for our Thursday night movie group. And yeah. uh, it that was one I wanted to see too of, of his that I had not seen yet. And uh, I love Girdler. He just, uh, you know, career cut too short, but he had put out some incredible stuff in a short amount of time. Very short amount of time. And he was kind of one of those ones that knew pace, it, who understood really well on pacing and that kind of thing. Like Dave the Animals, yes, it has got some amazingly crazy stuff in it. Like, Leslie Nielsen, Leslie trying Nielsen to fight a, yeah fighting mm-hmm. a bear but at the same time taking that, a shirt off in the rain and yes <laughs> going full kind of full insanity, <laughs> insanity I guess I guess yeah. he you know that you know the ozone layer will really it'll really do it to you so. exactly that yeah the ozone layer will really really get you um especially if it's thinning and or falling to the ground I can't exactly where the plot what the inciting incident is but day of the animals is really terrible it's actually got some really terrifying moments in it and it just keeps coming at you and grizzly is really fun i mean yeah well anything with uh christopher george in it um is incredible but to have every single time i I kind of got this weird thing of like so if any time a lady takes her shoes off the grizzly decides that's when he's gonna attack um (laughs) like at this weird foot finish bear but he's no these movies are great i love the manager um no he's Mm -hmm. one of these great 70s directors that yeah i would have loved to see what else he made um i think it would have yeah, been absolutely incredible yeah. um yeah. and so trying to follow up grizzly to to try and follow up grizzly um would have been kind of a weird i think would have been a hard task because you're not girdler that's just the the thing of it yeah um yeah. but then the things that this movie went through is kind of insane but i guess we probably should talk about the movie that um <laughs> we get not what actually happened in the filming of this movie which we <laughs> sure. will have to because okay. yeah, you have the concert. No, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i thought the concert was fake no they actually got axed to come in for, to, to hungary <laughs> that's that's yeah to see nazareth yeah actually yeah, yeah th- that was actually it was called what is it uh beast festival yes and uh, and nazareth who's not in the movie at all but that was the lead act that got fifty thousand people to come out to this field uh, on yes. a Russian army base, yes. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> At least the Russians just kind of commandeered it while watching it. Um, yeah, that's yeah, right. Because yeah. this was not a time where you could get bring Axe into Hungary because it was still under the Iron Curtain. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the Reagan years. So this is, you know, anything with to do with communism is a big no-no. And then all of a sudden they're trying to pull off this concert, which just blows my mind. And then I didn't realize... How much of the movie is the actual concept? I don't know why I wasn't thinking that. <laughs> I, 
I know they didn't have enough of the bear, obviously, but to go, I'm like, oh right. my god, this has turned into a concert movie. <laughs> <laughs> that and that was it from the inception. That was what yeah. they were trying to do. They wrote that in the original script mm. that they because they were thinking that we can maybe sell a great soundtrack and have some great songs yes. that would help promote the film. And then you have these crazy acts like Toto Coelho, the all-female English new wave combo. See, I think that was this uh, middle-aged, this middle-aged Hungarian band. Did you see the middle-aged guys? I they could not amazing. find out who it was. Yeah, they were incredible. I looked up. They're springing up and down on stage, and it just like this hair, and I was like, "Who are these people?" Right. I looked at the credits, and I saw that there's this Hungarian rock band, the KFT. Mm. But they actually, I think, were had just gotten together before the movie shot. So I think they were young at the time. Looking at a picture of them now, they look like the original band, but (laughs) they look like the band did then in 1983, not. You know, so it's not that I don't know who they were, but they've got a couple songs in there, too. Mm. And and also this New York rock band called The Days, which Mm. is the song that plays over the end credits. And there's a shot of them performing it, but they're brand new. They're a new uh, band. They're on Instagram. Yes. (laughs) And I think that was a shot just to fill more time and have even more concert footage. This is true because you do get modern inserts. It starts off with a beautifully digitally shot sort of forest, the bear, the cub get shot. And you will get these sort of inserts of modern people. Um, you could tell sometimes it's a modern concert. Sometimes we'll go back to the actual 1983 footage. Sometimes you'll have the days, which is this modern band um, suddenly playing in it. Um, and yeah, the fact that they actually got real bands, they actually put on a concert. Um, it must have been the most stressful thing to actually do, let alone try and shoot a movie around it. Um, and the fact that they pulled that off, I think, is absolutely remarkable and the fact that they did it in the middle of Hungary um because a lot of people came out because yeah they would never ever got a chance to see Nazareth because bands weren't usually allowed to play live in in the Eastern Bloc so to go out and go yeah we're gonna finally see Nazareth and then they get this whole kind of it was actually being billed as the Hungry Woodstock (laughs) yeah that's right yeah it's unbelievable yeah and they also they did put together a band uh the predator that was a band that they put together simply for this which is uh the guy that's that has actually a role in the movie uh he ends up sort of uh dating uh the main guy's daughter oh deborah foreman yes yeah he sort of dates her i mean i guess they they didn't really shoot the rest of the relationship i mean they had yes yeah (laughs) We get like the opening moments of them looking at each other and mm. then their breakup. Yes. We get none of the middle. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then just a moment where her dad warns her not to get hurt. And yes. that guy is what the park ranger uh, who looked like a Kenny Loggins impersonator, <laughs> um, Steve Inwood from yeah. Staying Alive. Um, yeah, he... And then she's like, I'm fine. It's no big deal. I don't know what happens to her. Deborah Foreman, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what happens to her character. It's such a side note. It's just a side note, but she's Deborah Foreman. So we'll keep it in there because yeah, when you do realize who's in this movie, not just the big three at the beginning. And it's so weird to see Laura Dern at at like 16, George Clooney, Billy in his twenties and Charlie Sheen. And this was their first like movie roles almost. I think for Clooney Uh it was. It gave Sheen. Uh, Charlie uh, Sheen got his uh, yeah sad card. card, I think you're about to say yeah. So it was definitely his first. Yeah. Uh, And it it wasn't the first for Laura Dern, but she had just emancipated herself from her parents. So, which is probably why she's stripping down to her underwear in this (laughs) Grizzly Two movie she's shooting in Hungary. 
Um, and I think this is definitely one of the first things for, for, for George Clooney as well. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that so young. I mean, you think he looks young in the return of the attack of the killer tomatoes. And then you look at this, mm-hmm. you're like, Oh no, he's a baby. Um, yeah. it's so kind of weird. And they were just like hanging out in Hungary, having a great time, but it's right. Yeah. So you get this sort of saying, you're like, Oh my God, it's those three. Um, and I think they were put in the movie because all, they all had, um, celebrity, parents or uh, Clooney with his aunt mm-hmm. and it's just like yeah. yeah um and then you kind of get into the movie proper um <laughs> I'm trying to get onto uh, John Reese Davis I I love him in this he's <laughs> he is unbelievable in this this is really the performance of a lifetime it for is. him um he understands the tree he- brunch it is really <laughs> Yes. After a wonderful shot of nature, just wonderful nature shots. And then he's suddenly lifting an entire tree to move their Jeep. Um, He, John Reese davies understood the assignment of this movie. He like, he has some of the best lines. Like you, you've, you've got the, I leave the devil bear to Bruchard. Um, Uh, then he says, we have a saying in the forest, the pine needle falls, the eagle, she sees it, the deer, she hears it, and the bear, she smells it. <laughs> what is that? It just, it's, what is that? It's just nothing. But he delivers it with such uh, commitment. He's, oh, he's absolutely amazing. He really is. It is. Because <laughs> I wasn't expecting, I saw his name in the credit. I'm like, John Reese Davis is in this? And then you see him and then you're like, oh, yes, John Reese Davis is in this because he's wearing mm-hmm. this horse head or whatever thing jacket with all tassels and he's meant to be playing a french canadian and um i i don't know it's just you just watch this go <laughs> no this only he could have played this there is no one else who could have played this character yes it is a great part for him even if his he sounds basically like sala from from raiders <laughs> of the lost ark i mean he and he really he gets that sort of robert shaw monologue moment as well in this which i sort of went over but he gets a moment to talk about it and i love when he actually shoots a bear which you don't truly see no but it's the wrong bear it's not and it's the wrong bear it's not the bear (laughs) not the bear (laughs) and he just holds up his finger like just i got this this is this and they're trying to talk to him like you idiot you did this all wrong he's like i i I got it you should leave now (laughs) i need to be alone with my kill it's just like what oh he is just tremendous in this movie unbelievable he really is he's the heart and soul he's the mvp he is (laughs) absolutely um, he is why you see grizzly um yeah yeah just every single time he's on screen i am just giggling my um you know it's it's absolutely great because this movie is very disjointed it it's not still not finished it's definitely more of a curiosity which i really appreciate because it kind of shows you oh this is how you actually make a movie Mm -hmm. um kind of thing but it's kind of this thing. So you're always going back to these random other hunters who might be hunting a bear. They might not, or they're just hanging out. You get into the <laughs> environmentalist who wants to save the bear. Um, and the other, the Bushard's just like, no, I will kill it. <laughs> I will kill any bear I see. Um, and then you have yeah. what's kind of happening at the concert, which is bizarre in itself. I mean, I was sort of watching it going, oh, that actor looks like Louise Fletcher. And they went, no way, that is Louise Fletcher. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. She picked the role because she was getting a bit older and she was like, there's not much uh, choices that you get. So yeah. she decided like, what the hell? And they were paying me decently enough for two weeks in Hungary. So she decided to do it. But I mean, when you see her, you're like, what? <laughs> what is she doing here? Yes. You know? 
<laughs> this Don't we say things I can here. understand? Louise Fletcher? Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I can, Louise I mean, Fletcher, like, what? Yeah. I mean, I guess it had been a good seven years since um, Cuckoo's Nest or whenever Cuckoo's Nest came out. But yeah, it's, um, it, yeah, you're just watching her go, oh, shit, that is actually Louise. And she's kind of, I don't still don't know what she is, actually. And I know she's some sort of authority, um, but I love she the runs moment. the park, basically. The, okay. Maybe. Yeah. I, yeah and, she's, and she's got some important bigwigs that are doing what for the park? No, I don't, I, she's yeah. entertaining them with the, con- I don't understand. But I but, admire Rob for not letting her into the backstage area. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Rules are rules. Rules are rules. You know? I don't care who you are. <laughs> no one gets backstage. No. We've got some incredibly, uh, we've got, we, can, we can't get anyone near the Predator. That no. fan needs to get out there and rock that mirrored suit that that guy was wearing. Exactly. <laughs> um <laughs> it's just yeah, this is what this moment is it's full of little moments of things that they shot and that they're just trying to fit together like a like a jigsaw but you do get these really random moments of you know rob not letting louise fletcher and the whoever the senator she's with not to go yeah. backstage or you get deborah foreman meeting um what's his name and sort of smiling at each other or the guy who wants to sell weed before the festival starts oh, yeah yeah <laughs> Again, a scene you definitely would have cut out if you had enough footage to not yes. include it. But yes. like, I love that it's there. There's so much that's in there that shouldn't be there. That's yes. just amazing to watch because you're like, this is a normal movie. We'll cut this out. But yes. here we are. There's a whole scene with um, Valentine Monnier, who is who's like a, a French actress. Mm. She plays for a second. She's in the Jeep with um deborah raffin who plays mm. samantha who's like part of the bear management you mm. know uh lady mm. and it, she's being interviewed by like a, an english uh journalist mm. and they're just sort of talking to him about what's going on with you know the the park and, and she's there for a second and she was in this other movie called um devil fish or monster shark mm. as well as 2019 after the fall of new york so there's like so many of those random people that show up too but then they don't pay off that's it that's the only scene she's in she never comes back like that's a scene you wouldn't normally get in a movie you would just cut it it doesn't matter who why bother to keep it um but they needed to and just to be able to hit the whatever 76 minutes yeah, of I mean, running this time movie or whatever is it is short and a good yeah. 20 30 minutes of it is, is literally the concert but it's yeah you're right it is filled <laughs> with um literally kind of these things that shouldn't would have gotten would have gotten cut but yeah. i kind of like that the fact that you've got this weird guy oh. trying to sell weed to the obviously like a lot of the fact that he just walks into the festival before they've even started or that interview scene at the beginning um it's all just this kind of moments of this has nothing to do with anything even to performance kind of stuff it doesn't really have much to do with anything um right but it's right. in there because they have to sort of make up the moments but at the same time it's kind of this documentation of this very specific six weeks they were shooting in hungary and this is what they came up with it's kind right. of um remarkable in that that sense um because i'm just trying to, i was watching it i've watched it twice i still don't know you still don't know what happens to bashad he's killed by the bear as he kills the bear or is it I don't believe he's killed. He yeah. gets like he gets into the backstage and the, the in the the whole end ends backstage of this yeah. concert. And he gets like a one of the like, you know, the 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 girders, I guess, yeah. like goes into his shoulder. Mm, so he yes. gets sort of stuck. But I don't think he gets killed entirely. Mm. I think he just gets stuck into like that metal. 
yeah. uh, contraption. So he's just like stuck there. And then yeah. the bear uh, tries to go after Nick mm. or Stephen Wood. And, mm. uh, and <laughs> but I have to say this movie starts with like so much bear and park stuff. Yes. And I'm sort of like, okay, Louise Fletcher is, you know, obviously the mayor, you know, mm. of Amity and is like, no, we need this concert. It's mm. important for the park for no reason anyone yes. can, can mm. discern. But by the time we get to this concert that you're talking about, the concert footage, I was like all in, mm. all in on the movie, all in on concert. I didn't realize <laughs> how much I wanted this concert. The concert sounds like a, a silly idea that isn't necessary, but now I was like, give me more concert. And I couldn't get enough concert. <laughs> I loved the concert when I sort of suddenly realized like, oh no, we're staying in the concert. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> yes. Um, I was thinking, hey, made up a lot of bands and then you go read about it you're like no these were actual acts and they actually did yeah. go on a concert and people did arrive it was a free concert so people could actually go and and see it um and like I love how Nazareth was saying oh we didn't even know it was going to be shot um but he goes back then we were lucky to know what country we, we were in so, <laughs> um so it's kind of it's kind of cool that and you're realizing oh no I'm now in this really bizarre concert of 1983 western and eastern block music and it's amazing and you just get the sense of that crowd i mean 40 to 50 000 people showed up to yeah. shoot to shoot yeah it. just to watch just to watch watch nazareth and yeah. that incredible stage like when you see really cool the construction <laughs> and you're like oh this is like serious because yeah. you think grizzly 2 doesn't have any sort of money because it was never finished for mm. 37 years or whatever. And and then all of a sudden you see this grand stage they're building and you're like, wow, this is actually pretty impressive. But that's, I don't know, maybe that was Nazareth's money? I don't know. I idea. think that was the upfront money that they got. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, because I will put, I might put the Ringer article in the show notes to see because it's very long and very entertaining and people just yes. like going, I don't know. Um, but from what I can gather, they had the money to build up everything of the concert, shoot the first day or so. And then this um, producer called something Proctor. John John Ford Proctor. John Ford Proctor um, bolts and basically says, yeah, there's no more money left. Um, right. When he had promised... Um, when he had promised that he was going to fund the whole, that he'd funded the whole thing. Um, which I love the idea because he says he was on the run. I'm sorry. Too. Joseph Ford Proctor. I apologize. Joseph Ford, yeah. No, no. It's um it's yeah, it's I just love the this idea of he's on the run from Jerry, Jerry Lewis. <laughs> yeah, he, like, he screwed him over from money yeah, as well. Exactly. So he's kind of this like con uh, con man who goes out and just swindles people out of money. And you but he promised a country to make a movie. And Hungary has a pretty good like film kind of history kind of thing but nothing like this Hollywood had never gone to Hungary before especially in 1983 so they'd kind of promised this whole film industry um yeah. we're going to make something amazing and even the Hungarian producer I mean they almost got um oh my god I should have written this down he was Steven Spielberg's um DP for quite a while uh um Leslo something he shot um I um oh, sorry I'm blanking on everything today. I apologize. Um oh, no problem. Uh, 30, I, I, this is news to me. Yeah, he oh, okay. the I, kind. And he wanted to make it practically for free because he wanted to go back to Hungary and make something. Even oh, if it was a right. crazy yes. bear movie. And then Proctor right. for some reason did not want him on the project. Right. Um, same with the original um writer of co-writer Grizzly. Zygmunt. Vilma Vilma Sigmund. There's two very good yes. yeah, I'm getting confused with another um Hungarian 
cinematographer. Sorry, I'm butchering butchering all this, but it's fascinating. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. He does, however, hire the director Andre Schatz or however yeah. you say his. Unfortunately, that name, and not denying David Shelton his uh, opportunity to direct, which he wanted to do. Yeah, the the, the co screenwriter and fires him essentially without mm. telling him and yeah. hires this other guy, but didn't want to bring on uh, Spielberg's DP. I yeah. don't. It makes what. For no money, this guy, this guy was saying, "Yes, I will go shoot in Hungary. This is great." Right. And then he's just like, "Nope." I'm just like, "This." You only get really these vague secondhand accounts of him, uh-huh. and it's he's you don't really get a which is kind of kind of cool because you never get a picture of this shady guy, um, who's obviously stealing all the money. But it's kind of what this movie actually could have been sounds absolutely amazing because it sounds like everyone was. Maybe not the actors because they were just sort of wandering around going, oh, shit, we're in Hungary in 1983. Um, <laughs> but the people who were actually wanting to make it wanted to make an amazing movie. They actually were putting mm-hmm. their heart and soul, which most movies mm-hmm. do, which is kind of why I think this is an amazing document because it shows you how to make a movie, but also how much sweat and tears go, goes into it. I mean, you're looking at that concert going, they actually put on a proper concert for this. This is like a proper actual spend money, get acts, um happy really happy crowd to be there kind of thing and then you could have known what that what would else would have been around this movie would have been amazing maybe not original grizzly amazing but still amazing right right yeah i mean i still feel like if you know if uh, sheldon david sheldon had been able to direct it we might have had something a bit closer to the original grizzly yes again i don't know if it would have been they were already in on this concert and i feel like the mixture of a giant angry grizzly bear and a large concert still seems like an odd pairing to me it's still so weird but that's why I kind of loved it, the movie and had so much time, fun with it because it's just such a it's such a bonkers idea and so it, weird. It really is. Know? It is so weird. I mean, to put a grizzly in the middle of a massive uh, music festival is just like, huh? How does that work? And this is like a you know, and I can't remember how tall the bear was, but um, yeah, they had three massive mechanical bears that apparently did not work, which seems to be like the typical story whenever you're using Mm -hmm. mechanical creatures in a movie. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, I love seeing the bear. Like they don't show him often often enough, but when you see the bear, it's glorious. (laughs) They only shot a little bit with the bear because I think they were supposed to do second unit back in England or America. And it never happened, yeah. And Yeah, so, but yeah, you really get the most bear action at the very tail end. Yeah. And that is pretty glorious. Yes. And I don't know if it was the bear that set off the fireworks or just a technician who got hold of some of that weed. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but there's also then that Jeep flip yes. as they're running through all that fireworks. I was like, this is pretty great. This is so crazy that they are actually pulling this off and then just cut to random shot of bear and obviously a fake growl because its mouth is not moving. <laughs> And and then the point of view shots or the behind the shoulder shots of the bear, like observing, you know, Bouchard walking around and all it it was like, oh, this is this is fantastic. Like what a crazy movie this thing is. It's so nuts. It is. And I do love the ending because it is just these really random shots of a a Jeep or card flipping over the bear kind of. We still see him in his full glory. Bouchard kind of sneaking up around kind of 
the backstageness, the backstage of the concert and kind of all kind of, he's got a thing on his forehead. He's obviously ramboed himself up to go into battle. And it's, it's, um, <laughs> yeah. it's really, really just, yeah. It's so great that part. I mean, yes, it takes a little bit to get there, but once you're in that concert, once the bear kind of descends on the concert, um, I am all in on this movie. Yeah, um, and yeah. I think it's such an amazing document um, that now people can actually see what they tried to make because that concert is incredible. <laughs> yeah. And when they end up taking out the bear, when he runs into all that electricity, they actually steal a shot from Jaws 2. Yes. It's unreal. I went back and double checked and watched Did Jaws 2 the end. Just the, the shot of inside the bear's mouth yeah. is actually a close up shot of the shark. When he's when, biting on the when he's biting on the on the 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 electrical cable, yeah. and it's actually just a closer up shot from trying to be inside the bear's mouth. But they yeah. steal a couple, a little bit from Jaws two to put inside the grizzly's mouth and grizzly two. It's <gasps> unbelievable. I did not click to that. That is yeah. absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Yes, because I know certain shark movies have always gone through and copy uh, took. Did Crawl Jaws take Jaws one or was it Jaws two with the helicopter? I know one of the Jaws. Was I think one? it was. I think it was Jaws two. Because yeah. I don't, there's not a helicopter. I don't think in Jaws one. No, there isn't. The Jaws. Yeah. The yeah. Jaws. Yeah, the helicopter is in Jaws. In Jaws two. Yeah. And yeah, Cruel Jaws steals from that, and then other movies stealing from Jaws. <laughs> Cruel Jaws is its own wonderful document. Yes. Yes, I always get it confused with the last shark. Um, but then I'm like, uh -huh. no, wait, that one has well, this. They both have a regatta. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see regattas in movies very often like windsurfing regattas and this one they both have one yes. so you gotta love that <laughs> you do <laughs> like even when i was jumping in a bit to jaws 2 watching with the sailboats i'm like oh my god another regatta oh wait no this is kids hanging out <laughs> yes yeah this isn't quite it this is just kids sailing <laughs> this, this is, is sailing yeah. <laughs> yeah you're right both those movies have regarded uh the, a lot of winds oh my god cruel jaws on the last shot bless you both um <laughs> insane <laughs> um yeah because the jaws ripoff is a special breed of ripoff i know each sure. kind of thing but the jaws ripoff is pretty special i mean without it um we wouldn't have had grizzly um i know the the ring episode is getting <laughs> a bit disdainful on on grizzly i'm like mm, no grizzly is a great movie and then no, it's grizzly is like, great yeah yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. like oh surprise surprising everyone grizzly was a hit i'm like i'm not surprised because grizzly is an awesome movie oh it's so much fun i yeah. mean yeah they also had the same issues which is funny that it's a jaws ripoff and they had the same mechanical issues <laughs> yes. as jaws did the with like the shark sinking <laughs> the bear like was left out in the rain and yes. so like the opening scene with in grizzly you have the just like these women getting killed by clearly somebody with like a bear arm <laughs> yes. and they're just like swiping at them and it just it's it's a from the jump i was like this is i love this movie yeah. i love grizzly it's yeah. just so much fun it is yeah, it's i'm so not surprised fun. No, uh, Chris, Christopher George takes a bazooka at the end. <laughs> I mean, come on. The movie is a blast. What is not to love? Don't get yes, to exactly. Yeah. It gives you everything. If you if, if you aren't satisfied, that's on you. That, I yes. don't know what's going on in your life, but that's on you. I mean, William, William Girdler was one of the great directors of the 1970s. I will proudly state that. I oh, mean, for sure. I mean, Manitou has Tony Curtis dancing around in a purple robe and a mustache and then someone <laughs> thing coming out of someone's back and a light show. I mean, his movies have everything in them. It's, yeah. They're incredible yeah. pieces of work. <laughs> yeah, he goes for it. And that's what I love about him. His films really go for it. They're so fun. Oh, yeah. And so is Grizzly too. It's an unusual, weird I don't know what this is. I don't yes. know if it's quite a movie, yes. but it is yeah. this amazing kind of thing that um, 
is is incredible and i'm kind of glad that i finally got the excuse to watch it because i had been meaning to watch it for a little while <laughs> yeah i don't know if this is a movie no it is an experience it is yes. an experience it is an experience that i loved and i greatly enjoyed it's not a movie no so i think a lot of people that are going to give it a bad review or not like it or dismiss it are going to dismiss it on the basis of it being a movie and it's not it's definitely not oh. it, um, I think the producer who worked on it from the get-go, mm. um, Suzanne Nagy, I believe. Yeah, Suzanne Nagy, yeah. So she obviously did like, you know, a great job trying to like insert new footage, mm. put together what she put together, but like it's still missing so much. But what is there is just unbelievable. Um, and and yes, it's got a crazy story, but it has Bouchard. Yes. <laughs> Who always I mean, referred to himself as Bouchard. <laughs> the, yeah, I mean it. It has um, like these little amazing cameos too. Like Tim Timothy Spall shows up. He's there backstage. I he, completely missed him. Yes, he's in there. He has an OBE and he's in Grizzly too. I mean, so an Oscar winner and an OBA. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean that's insane. Um, a John Carpenter regular, Charles Cyphers, uh, who was also in Halloween. He shows up. He's one of the poachers. Yes, I did. I did um, notice him. Yeah. Like, there's just lots of great, like you know, people in there. That you're like, this is this is amazing. There's a lot. There's a lot to enjoy. You know that that's all I'm saying. There's a there lot. There is. To enjoy. There is an absolute lot to enjoy. Um and. Yeah, don't go and expecting a movie because you're not going to get one. No. Expect, <laughs> expect a concert movie with a random beer and John yes. Rhys-Davis being amazing, yes. playing the role he was born to play. Um, then, it's the best concert movie with a bear that has ever been made. <laughs> yes, it is the best concert movie with a bear that you'll ever see. Um, but in terms of an actual movie that has a narrative, that has kind of whatever. Um, I think that's not the movie you're going to, that is not what you get. Yeah. Cause this is, you're right. No. This move, this is an experience. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad I actually got to experience it. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad you feel that way. Um, I read a lot of people's reviews and I was like, oof, I may be wasting um, Lindsay's time for a few, <laughs> for, no. for 76 minutes. But, Doug, um... <laughs> Doug from um, Good Times, Great Movies was just like, oh, bad movies, glorious. I went, it's an experience. He goes, oh no, it's an amazing experience. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's a new classic for me. I'm not going to lie. It's, oh, no, it's, it's just, it's wild. It's oh, wild. I not a to... good movie at no, all, no, but no, no, wild, no. but wild no. and amazing to watch. Yeah, just I have incredible. to rewatch it now just for the Timothy Spalling. Um, I completely missed him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Some of the people they have backstage, oh. it's just crazy. Some of the people working on it. Yeah, it's, it's um, absolutely bonkers. Just when you actually sort of see the cast in this and then you go under that layer and then you see all the other people that are in it, you're just like, they got every, yeah, it's amazing who's, oh, who worked and, on this movie. And also the uh, the guy, uh, Ian McNeese is mm. also, he is also in it. He's playing the, the stage director. Yes, yes, he is. I did see that. Yeah. But he's got brown hair. He's got dark hair. So yeah. it's kind of hard to, you know, you think of him in a more modern context. But like, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of people looking very young. Yes. <laughs> that you know from yes. other things in this. Well, they're looking very young, especially um, though I don't think Laura Dern has aged since she was 16 properly. But oh, um, no, I know. Crazy. He's looking and he's like, that's Laura Dern. That is not. Yeah, it's yeah, the same. Um, yeah. Insane. It's the same person. Um, but then you see Charlie Sheen, especially. Oh my God, he looks so young. <laughs> He is just a total like, and this is the movie that gave him the bug. Like that, this yeah. is the movie that afterwards he called his dad and was like, "Oh, I can't believe how fun that was." Yeah, 
you know i can't you know i love being an act being an actor is great yeah why don't you <laughs> tell me this movie <laughs> right <laughs> Um, also, you may have read this too in that article, mm. and I know you're going to post it. Um, I love that uh, they went to Arnold Copelson to get more funding. Yes. And he he saw it and was like, get out of my house. And then he produces <laughs> Platoon a few years later with Charlie Sheen. That's unbelievable. That is insane. Like that that story gets dropped like in a like a line or two lines in, in the article uh, from The Ringer. But I was like, that that's unbelievable it and really he won is. the awards he won academy award for producing that movie yeah. <laughs> because of grizzly too like yes. i mean unbelievable i mean it's really the foundation of what Holly, of, of of hollywood <laughs> filmmaking really if yeah. you think about most it. modern day filmmaking it all stems <laughs> yes. from grizzly too this is where it began <laughs> See, really important, really important experience, guys. <laughs> really important. You need to take this ride, everybody. <laughs> it also has like that drama, that moment when um, Deborah Foreman's broken up with. I was not ready for such a dramatic scene to happen out Ooh, of nowhere. It comes out of nowhere. It just like you think yeah. you're watching something else, and all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, am I? Is this a breakup? What? That relationship yeah. was two what? minutes. What? <laughs> like, I'm a gypsy, a clown, a juggler. And then she's like, oh, so am I just one of those things? And he's like, yeah. yeah, like you're nothing to me. I was like, whoa, where did this come from? There's, it's just a delight. This movie is just such a delight. I could go on and on. I mean, it's not a movie, but there are about- No, sorry, this experience. Movies. No, it's this experience, but it is about 16 different movies happening within this one movie. Totally, um, totally. Everyone has got their own little storyline. It is, none of it gets properly finished, but oh, just it's- yeah, it is an amazing experience. It's a foundation um, of a lot of modern filmmaking. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think modern think filmmakers need to look back and thank the source of yes. all of their success yes. now. Just think you know, of the careers is... that would not have happened if it not for Grizzly 2. For Grizzly 2. <laughs> Unbelievable. I know. I mean, you know, it's the most important concert film slash horror film experience you'll ever have. Exactly. Exactly. Um, mm. Yeah. And the, with that, we're going to go on to another movie that is actually oh. a movie. I, I yes. had an absolute yes. blast with how silly it was, how amazing it was, and the first time a, a, a shark ever t took down a, and he really takes that take that that helicopter down. Um, we're going to be going into Jaws two now, Ryan. What would be the first trailer you would show for Jaws two? <laughs> okay, so for Jaws two, this is where I really struggled uh, even the most because yeah. I was really trying to separate myself from aquatic horror, and I and I was unsuccessful, but. Um, <laughs> Um, so look, I have to play this. I'm, you know, I co-host the New World Pictures podcast, mm. so I would, I would be remiss not to bring up Piranha from 1978. Yes. <laughs> Who could have imagined they were there? Who could have predicted they would attack? And now, who would survive? Piranha, they're here. Fish. 
I mean, um, this movie is made, Piranha's made because they're going into production on Jaws 2. Yes. That's why Corman picks up the script, gives it eventually to John Sayles to rewrite and hires Joe Dante to direct it and says, let's, let's get out there and, and then releases it in the exact same year. I, they were doing this because of Jaws 2. Oh, it, it, yeah, it is absolutely amazing. I mean, the pool of talent that Corman managed to cultivate, I mean... It, I mean, Sales and Dante are just two of the names that, you know, yeah. I mean, talk about but, actually the actual foundations of modern cinema. I mean, Scorsese, mm-hmm. Coppola, um, Cameron. I mean, even Cameron would direct the sequel or half of the sequel, some of the sequel. <laughs> There's his name on it. Um, yes, yes. The spawning. <laughs> the spawning. He may not want his name on there, but it's there. <laughs> so, to, yeah. So the fact that they're making Piranha, which is such a fun movie. It also has, is it Ken Williams? No. He was in uh, Body Snatchers, the original, and the remake, actually. Dante, apparently really good. Anyway, it's got this amazing cast. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I, I'm blanking on his name, too. Yeah. Um, anyway, he pops Brad, up in a Bradford few Dante's. Bradford Dillman? Is that what you mean? I think so, yeah. It's, he pops up in a lot of, Dante loves him because he's all like all in the 1950s kind of stuff. So he keeps bringing him uh, yes. back. Yes, 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 um, yes. I think, I think that's who you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it is absolutely- Or we're both totally wrong. We're both totally wrong, but- <laughs> you know who we're talking about sorry this is a very blank <laughs> me going extra blanky today i apologize it's but early it's, for you yes. it's early for you <laughs> but no i love piranha 2 is so much fun and again this movie is not afraid to kill a whole bunch of children and a movie that is yeah. usually quite fun which kind yeah. of like too <laughs> and they actually had a very smart structure john sales got once he got the script he said mm-hmm. okay i'm gonna set it it has to end in a summer camp yeah. we're gonna that's where we'll end and i'm just he made a, a map of a river mm. and he just said okay i'm gonna have like the big problems are why are people still in the water when piranha are around so you have yes. to get around that and then he just set up like a very corman-esque thing to do which is like somebody dies every 10 minutes so like you're just constantly throwing in these deaths the river meets to a dam. They have to get through the dam mm. and then down to the camp. And so once you get through those things and you get over those hurdles, then, you know, you have piranha and we're yes. good. So, <laughs> and it definitely was not the first to rip off Jaws, but I think is one of the more memorable. No, I love how, Jaws um, yeah, the, the main character is playing a Jaws video game or something yeah. right at the beginning. Yeah, the very beginning, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Dante wanted to tell everyone, no, this is a Jaws this... ripoff is what we're doing. <laughs> We are aware of what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is just. Oh, I was actually thinking of Kevin McCarthy, but you're right. Mm. Um, Bradford See, yeah, I thought Dillman, I would be wrong. Yeah, Bradford Dillman is another isn't one of those actors as well. But I was yeah, thinking yeah, Kevin, Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy. Yes, invasion. Yes, invasion of the body snatchers. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So I just want to listen. Yeah, it does have an incredible <laughs> cast in oh. this. Like I, I, you know, I I just watched it like last year, and mm. I, I, you, you still yeah there's just so much about the movie that like oh right um also paul Bar- bartell like running the summer camp and stuff it's which is so great it um, really is and of course dick miller's in it for a little while because you know, it's a, it's a dante coleman joint so yeah it has, has to, to be. be in there it has to be <laughs> He's in there. legally obligated <laughs> if he doesn't it's gonna be a lawsuit <laughs> <laughs> he has to be there yes um so no, that is a really really great um trailer i love um that i'm i'm going for another sequel for my first trailer um what i loved about jaws 2 as we get into is that it feels like much more like a slasher movie so i'm gonna go halloween 2 from 1981 i shot him six times i shot him in the heart he's not human universal pictures presents 
Halloween 2. More of the night he came home. Who is it? There was nothing within him, neither conscience nor reason, that wasn't even remotely human. Is this some kind of a joke? I've been trick-or-treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. Nice. I shot him six times. <laughs> I This is a great pick. I love Halloween 2 so much. And Me it's too. kind of, not to go on a tangent, but it's kind of somewhat my issue with Halloween 2018 mm-hmm. is like you can't rip away Halloween 2 from me. Like that, I grew up on those two. I watched those so many times. The TV, the TV version before I could actually get a better regular version. Oh, wow, yeah. So the fact that, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is his sister is just ingrained in me. Mm. And you want to take that away and just make it like some woman he's just been hunting, I guess, or waiting to hunt for 40 years. Yes. And she's been waiting for him to come back. That's the thing I never got about the 2018. I was like, so what exactly is their relation? I mean, I get if it's random, but she's been waiting for him and he's been waiting for her for like 40 years. And I've never quite got my head around so yeah what's going yeah. on between these two and, and i and i think that the argument is like well it, how how much scarier would it be this mm. to have this guy hunt you after even 40 years and she's so terrified of him that she's ready but i think it's more terrifying that this guy just wants to kill his family so much yeah <laughs> you know like that's the part of it that is so wild plus also 2018 is almost entirely h2o just you know you switched out the fact that instead of a son you have a daughter and you know but it's like kind of you know she's not a teacher at a school but you know she's still sort of this badass who's ready for for michael myers but exactly halloween 2 is just i love that movie and i'm like i understand maybe john carver didn't love it and so they wanted to remove it to get his involvement Mm. but you just can't take halloween 2 away from me i adore it yeah i often watch halloween 2 straight after watching halloween um just because yeah they feel of the same piece to me and i just love all the night he came home it's exactly it's all the night he came home and (laughs) i love the fact that yeah i love the hospital moments just because no one turns to think to turn on the light bulb um I love- it is the, the least attended hospital <laughs> of all time there's almost no one there there's one security guard there's yeah. almost nobody there yeah it's crazy yeah um I love the fact that you sort of get Michael wandering around in the streets of Haddonfield after he's kind of thought he's done his thing um yeah no it's it's kind of yeah I yeah I really do love Halloween too a lot it took me a little while mm-hmm. to go onto it just because I'm very up and down with a lot of the entries of Halloween. Like it mm-hmm. depends on my mood and which one I'm watching, but oh, no, yeah. I, Halloween yeah. two is definitely, um, I do love Halloween two a lot. Um, what would Halloween you is say- like a franchise. It's like got really high highs and a lot of low lows. Oh yes. Like there's yeah. just, it is, it's kind of, yeah. It's, it's all, all over the place. Over the place. Yeah. yeah. I watched sure. it all last year um, during October and yeah, you really love those highs. Like in your one, two and three, oh, yeah. I love four. Then you get to five and six and you're like, Okay, I kind of try and like six because it's so weird, but I was like, this makes no sense. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've seen the producer's cut and I like the producer's cut, mm. but it's been many years, so I want to revisit it. But yeah. like, it takes a swing. That's the it, thing I'll that, say about that's six. That's the thing. Is, it that's takes six. a swing. Yes, yeah, six I mean, definitely takes a swing. Wh- whether or not it's successful, I don't yeah. know. Is it a single? 
maybe just to use the baseball analogy. Yes. <laughs> I don't know, but like it's it it tries. It definitely is like, hey, this is wild, but what the heck? Yeah, and, might as well uh, there's go Paul for Rudd. It. So I don't yes. know. There's some things to like there. Um, also, the thing about two that I love too is that it also closed out the Ben Tramer part of everything. <laughs> the, the night Ben Tramer didn't come home. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love that 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 note. Like for all the people that have paid a ton of attention to the first one, yeah. Here's like let's end the Ben Tramer stuff. That the, the guys that she's been obsessing over. Uh, oh. I loved all that. Yeah, I love that's the fact such that a Deborah Hill thing. When yeah, when they find out that Loomis, uh, when Loomis finds out that it isn't Michael, that it's Ben Tramer, and everyone's like, "Oh wow, we we just killed a kid." He's like, "Oh well." <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. As he does throughout the rest of the franchise. He does. This is the beginning of a really over-the-top crazy Loomis, which I admit uh, I kind of like. But Oh, sure. Yeah. Of course. Donald Pleasance in almost anything. Oh, God. This, that man was glorious. Um, my Okay, what is your second trailer? Okay, my second trailer. I, again, was not able to remove myself from aquatic horror. And so... I'm going to go with something that also continues um, right after the first one or is essentially this, the, the same as the first movie, much like Jaws 2. Yeah. I'm talking Killer Crocodile 2 from 1990. I got a special story to cover and I got a plane to catch. The Caribbean ought to be just gorgeous this time of year. I'm giving a press conference today to announce the beginning of construction. Right at this moment... The last barrel containing toxic waste has reached the port. Mr. Baxter, does this include the radioactive barrels? I asked you a question. Yes, all the barrels and all the harmful things they contain have been removed. I saw it. It's the biggest crocodile with the biggest mouth. I tell you like that. I still need to see. I haven't. Even, I've been eyeing off to watch the original, um, which was 1970, 1980 something. So I still 1989. Need to see. Yeah, 1989. Yeah. Yeah. Back to back, they got released because they got ah. shot back to back. Oh, did they? Yeah. 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 So uh, Fabrizio De Angelis is yeah. like a Italian producer. He pr- produced a lot of like the Italian mm. um, post-apocalyptic movies, but he directs the first one. And he brings in Gianetti De Rossi, who's like an, a special uh, a special effects artist and makeup artist who like did an incredible mm-hmm. career, very long. In fact, he just passed away this year. He's had mm-hmm. an incredibly long career. He worked on Dune. He does the whole bolt sequence in Rambo 3. Mm-hmm. He worked on High Tension. Uh, but also he worked a lot with Lucio Fulci. So he ah. did The Beyond. He did House yeah. by the Cemetery. He did Zombie. So he did a lot of the makeup and a lot of those effects for all those movies, did a lot of stuff with Fulci. So so Fabrizio D'Angelis brings him in to work with the crocodile in the first one. And he basically does a (laughs) sort of uh, Joseph Proctor move where he hires him to direct the second one because then he could just pay him to be a director for the the second movie. But then you also have somebody that will take care of the crocodile and do all that other stuff basically (laughs) for nothing. So that's why he basically pushes him to to direct it. He's only directed like two films Mm. and this is like his second one that he's ever done. So he directs uh, the second one and it is absolutely not as good as the first one which yeah. again makes it all the more sort of appropriate here um i don't want to put killer crocodile on the same sort of classic status as the original jaws but um it doesn't it but it it's basically almost the same thing over again we have the same lead which is mm. richard anthony crenna which is richard crenna's son playing a guy who 
had to end up fighting the killer crocodile the first time blew up the blew up the crocodile the first time the crocodile had some eggs on the side of the shore of course now we have another killer crocodile and they're of course they're all irradiated because this is still the 80s the late 80s and you know toxic waste or chemical spills and that's what's making the killer crocodile so huge so huge in fact Mm -hmm. as you'll see in the trailer a killer crocodile busts into this like shack where these guys these workers are sleeping and it's almost the bigger than the entire shack like (laughs) the crocodile is so enormous it's unbelievable um and it's just it's just a hoot it's so um it's there's not many movies that where the ending is a crocodile is blown up with dynamite and the two leads kiss because the explosion has also unearthed the radioactive chemicals that were hiding under the water. And she's a reporter, so now she has her story and he killed the crocodile. Hooray! Hey. It's just <laughs> the silliest, silliest movie. And um, gives you, I mean, as soon as you watch Killer Crocodile, you want more. You watch Jaws, you want more. You Here's do. a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds absolutely fantastic. It's now on my list of things I need to track down because I had been meaning to watch the first one. Um, and now I get to watch the second one as well. So that is even um, better. My final trailer, um, this is a cheat, but I love the fact that Jaws, at least the first two, are set on the island of Amity. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go for Amity 2, The Possession. Um, so keep with the number twos. The Lutzes escaped with their lives, but the previous owners weren't so lucky. Father, bless our new home and watch over us as we become a part of this. For the Montelli family, it was their dream house until it turned into a nightmare. Who's there? What was in this house? What evil could drive their son to madness and destroy everything and everyone he loved? This movie is bonkers i don't even know where to begin other than it's got burt young just yelling for most of the movie which i think is a selling point um yeah um so yeah we're gonna go for amity 2 the possession i haven't seen that in so long and you're still in the world of uh halloween there because tommy lee wallace also co-wrote the script oh he did too yes yeah (laughs) also with dardano sacchetti but um yeah Bert and Bert Young oh my gosh early Bert Young yeah I haven't seen this one in so long I gotta watch this one too it's it's yeah it's a really fun movie it's really ultra sleazy like you expect um I guess like a franchise at least a couple before it goes into the sleaze but nope the second one they are on it and you're sort of questioning wait I know the brother and sister kind of get together in this movie but is it the demons or is it you know (laughs) is um, it just they're that kind of family is it just they're that kind of family um but no it's just really fun it kind of feels like it's the part four or five in the Amity series but it's number two and yeah that's kind of what I like about it (laughs) because once you get to four and five that's all about the possessed things being taken out of the original house. Exactly. Going and then going, going cross cross country, I guess. It from gets yeah. so crazy from there. Yeah. Uh, I almost put in our Halloween list, I almost put Amityville 1992. It's all about time. Oh, yes. Yeah. And the Amityville dollhouse. They're, they just get so weird and bonkers. But you're right. They 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 go from one to two and they really go almost from one to five. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's I mean, such a 
Yeah, that, I got to watch that one again. That's great. Yeah, because even yeah, even with Jaws, they wait four movies until they really just lean into the whole fact that the Jaws is literally <laughs> stalking the Brody family. <laughs> All the way down to the Caribbean. Yes. Even as a kid, I was just like, why are they just staying in New York? The shark can't get them there, but they have to go to the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> they just can't because she's falling in love with Michael Caine, and I don't blame her. And this is true, yeah. I mean, you can't deny the Caine. <laughs> Um, i actually saw that one last summer and i think that one's like a blast i think jaws for the revenge yeah. is such a blast it's it's so fun it's yeah. so fun it's so silly and ridiculous years. yeah i need it's to see ridiculous. that again ridiculous. yes yeah, I, only, it's, I remember a banana boat and it all going wrong but <laughs> yeah yeah and you have what the guy from last starfighter who plays mike brody and why is the why are sharks chasing them all over the globe it's just it's so silly but that's the thing it's like gone you know it's gone insane it already yes. went insane with jaws 3d so yes, now it it's did. just like well how much more insane can we get oh wait let's just take another yes. you know another level another level um and with this with that we are going into jaws 2 from 1978 uh directed i'm gonna try and pronounce his name Jeanot Joac. um i could be butchering that um, where its biggest crime is that it's not Jaws. Jaws 2. The terror continues. In all the vast and unknown depths of the ocean, how could there have been only one? Chief Brody, can we go, please? I think we may have another shark problem. Are you serious? Look at this. That's a shark. Look, Brody, you started a panic on a public beach. Now, what if somebody decides to sue us? When was the first time that you'd seen Jaws 2? I was wondering if uh, you're going to ask me that. I don't really remember the first time I saw Jaws 2. I have watched these movies many times over, and uh, I really love the Jaws franchise. It's one of my favorites. Mm. As I said, I think the fourth one is one I hadn't seen in a long time. And I watched it last year, and I was like, oh, no, this is a blast. It's mm. it's insane, but it's fun, you know? Yeah. Um, three is actually, you know, there is a good movie in there. Mm. They handed the reins over to a first-time director, a guy who'd worked on some of the other movies. And, you know, Richard Matheson wrote the original script for three. So, like, there was a good movie there. It's not what they made, mm. but there was. <laughs> it was certainly a good, it was a decent idea, and there was yeah. a good movie that could have been made, mm. and they just didn't end up making it. And the 3D of it also sucks a lot of whatever they were going to do out of it. I remember Mark and I, sitting watching that getting dropped off at the movie theater to watch that oh, wow. in the movie yeah. theater uh and we were both like you know at least old enough to kind of go oh that wasn't that good you know jaws 3 but yeah. when i saw jaws 2 i i don't remember the exact first time that i ever saw it, but i must have seen it before i even saw jaws 3 um yeah i think this was my first full time watching it I, though i think i've seen seen it in the snippets because um the first time i saw what well, could have been well, I always assume it was the first Jaws, but it could have been, it, well, maybe even the second, but um, 
the um no i think it's the first one definitely uses the john williams score the dirt and dirt and way more mm-hmm. um that freaked me out like jaws literally terrified me as like a three or four year old so me oh, yeah. going back to any kind of jaws movie was just like nope nope um and so this so i think i have seen snippets or at least when other movies took um jaws um so i think i've seen seen that but this is like was the first time I actually got to see this from like beginning to end. And no, I had a blast with it. I was just kind of like, oh yeah, I get people watching this and wanting Jaws 1975 and not getting it and being disappointed. But what they did get was this amazing slasher movie with a shark. It's it's a whole mm-hmm. lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it gets a lot of grief for, as you said, for for it not being the first movie. Mm-hmm. But it's tough. Like when you have uh franchises like this and like say psycho where you had the first movie is an absolute you know undeniable mm. classic it's always hard when you do success you know executive what a, ex- successive movies <laughs> yeah. let me get the right word into my mouth um you know after it always is going to seem to pale in comparison but the second one's just like hey remember this gang remember what's going on hey another one shows up i mean yeah i mean they could have done something a little bit more outrageous or doing did something a little bit different plot wise in fact they Mm. tried to initially there was Mm. another film that they were going to make and with a different director who gets fired initially oh wow uh before jeanette uh schwartz maybe Mm, i don't i'm not sure Mm. um but uh there was another movie that they were making and then they bring in carl gottlieb Mm. they put whole production on hold they rewrite the movie and shoot you know what is now Mm -hmm. jaws 2 but i think it's uh, it's i think it's you know i don't think i think it's unfairly derided i think it's a real fun movie it's yeah it's not jaws i mean you're never going to do jaws again jaws you can't do everybody was trying to make jaws again and nobody could make jaws again i don't think even spielberg could make jaws again i think jaws was this amazing almost accident because the shark didn't work and he kind of Mm -hmm. figured out a way to um work with what he had and so yeah you get the yellow barrels kind of running around the sea and and all this kind of thing but i don't think he could reclaim that magic um so yeah no no one i mean yeah people have spent decades trying to make jaws and it has just never worked you're never gonna do it you're never gonna do it again yeah Mm -hmm. and so but this is like a little bit like a like a bonus chapter, if you will. Uh, yeah. Like if you if you read a good book and you're like, I really like those people. And then they were like, well, here's three more chapters. Hmm. And not a ton happens, but like, what? there's a bit more. You'd be like, hell yeah. Let yeah. me see a little bit more with these characters. I loved it the first time around. No, I'll, I'll go hang out with Brody and his wife again, because they're great. Um, yeah. No, it's you're right about the few extra chapters. It feels just like this little continuation of this little epilogue of kind of what happened in Amity after the um mm-hmm. after the original story ended. And it's kind of a cool story because Brody's still kind of the outsider. Like it's kind of like that mean thing of like, oh no, you saved the town, but you saved the town and we don't really want to acknowledge that um kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um it, we still don't trust you. We Thank still you don't for- trust you. Yeah. <laughs> Even Murray Hamilton. Thanks for killing that shark, but I don't know. <laughs> Murray Hamilton. <laughs> we can like, take Come or on. leave you still. Yeah. <laughs> Barry Hamilton, yeah, there's not going to be a second shark. Come on. He's mm-hmm. like, no, there's mm-hmm. another shark. No, there isn't. It's like, uh, well, I thought you would have at least listened to him a little bit. Um, but it's, yeah, no, it's this really, really cool little movie of just this continuation of, of the characters. And you do kind of get to know this town and especially the kids in the town. Like I love when I first saw all the boating, I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. It's it's another regalia. It's all this like <laughs> regatta. Yes, regatta. Yeah. Um, 
and it's not it's just how the kids kind of hang out and how they kind of get their freedom it's their yeah. the boats or their cars which i kind of really like that mm-hmm. idea with mm-hmm. so they're just kind of hanging around and they want to go to certain places they have to get on a boat and it's they just kind of don't they just want to be kids and hang out and then this kind of shot comes in and kind of ruins it all it's mm-hmm. yeah i really love that stuff especially the the when you really get into the last act when the kids are out there being surrounded by the shark that's when i was just like i am all in on this movie this is amazing yeah there arguably could have been like a little bit more if they leaned a little bit more towards the kids i think yes one of the initial concepts even for jaws 2 was going to be the kids dealing with the shark so Mm. like the brody children growing up and dealing with the shark which they sort of get to in part three but and and four more or less but um that's kind of i think what they were going for Mm. and then they wanted to bring back in roy scheider um which i mean i almost wanted to play um the deer hunter as a trailer (laughs) just because uh but i was like i think that's my not you know people would maybe not put the connection there but that was the movie he left and then went on and then uh universal he had a three-picture deal with universal Mm -hmm. and so he was on deer hunter and quit two weeks before photography started who was playing on deer hunter again was he he was robert de niro then comes in yeah Yeah, he was in robert de niro's role yeah yeah and and then he quits and they were like okay well listen just do jaws 2 and we'll forget about this whole three-picture deal Mm. So he does this just to get out of a contract. Yeah. And it's not something he really wants to do, but he's still great in it. He's still great in it. Well, the thing about I love about Scheider and the thing I love about Brody is that they're really prickly characters already. I mean, they're hard people to get to know. Well, Schneider, Scheider, Schneider, um, he had a kind of a prickly persona and especially his mm-hmm. best roles, like Brody. Um, and Brody's like a really kind of doesn't want to have to deal with everything but he doesn't like yeah he's a really kind of a prickly character and that really comes across especially when he realizes oh you know his two kids are in direct danger now um i know there's a little bit of a hint in the first one of it but this is him being told no i'm wrong um there's no shark and oh wait my kids are now on a boat in the middle of the ocean where the shark is going to absolutely come and get them i think it's a really great performance um at the beginning, I did the whole thing. I'm like, oh, I kind of wish Hooper was in this. But at the same time, you don't really need him because he's not Mm-mm. part of the town. He never was. So, yeah. I, I do think that there's that team aspect that you like about the first yeah. one. Um, with like, you know, you have Hooper, you got, you know, Robert Shaw, you got mm. Scheider and they're all mm. out on the boat. Like that's some of the best stuff. And it is, yeah. You know, Shaw's monologue about the USS Indianapolis, Indianapolis, Indianapolis yeah. which was another idea that they had for a potential Shaw's sequels they were going to just do that story um uh and make a movie about it which they did eventually i think with nicholas cage (laughs) um but that's what was one of the initial i think there even was a script for it but they didn't move forward with it but um i think there is a lack of a team so you sort Mm -hmm. of get a bit of a team of people trying to deal with the sharks with the kids yes but scheider's a bit more sort of on his own this time around Mm. and he's just kind of in full rescue mode though i have to say he he was he knew they knew mike was there because mm. mike sneaks out uh, oh yes but he doesn't know about she only plans about but they sean don't know later. about sean yeah. which really i think i i don't think i would have noticed before i had children myself but i was like why do you not realize that sean's <laughs> not in your house why are you racing actually they race out to deal with a with a i think a guy one of the the uh scuba divers mm. that comes up and they race out to see well, what's going on with the scuba diver. I'm like, you have a young kid. 
at home. You've left him. Yeah. (laughs) And then they're like, wait, Mike's on a boat. Let's go get Mike. Like how you no no call to Sean or who, (laughs) where do you, what do you think Sean's doing right now? (laughs) What do you think Sean's up to? Cause he is apparently just sitting at home, which I guess was something that happened in the late seventies. I don't know, but I wouldn't leave an eight or nine year old. Just be like, see ya, we're going out to, you know? So I'm like, where do they think he is right now? That Why are a, they unaware of his whereabouts? Yeah, because he doesn't actually find out until Mike comes back because he's been hurt and on another thing and they kind of get him to safety. And he's like, oh, by the way, Sean's out there. And he's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, where have you thought Sean has been this entire time? Both of you are out. Like, you know, she goes with him. Part of what I think uh, the original director thought mm. got him fired is he wanted to bring Lorraine Gray into more stuff. Oh. And she, of course, was married to an, uh, an executive, a yeah. film executive. And he was like, no, 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 no. You don't put her in danger. No, no, no. Yeah. So they go out and then he says, okay, take this boat back to shore. See you later yeah. uh, to, to her and the deputy. I'll go out and deal with this shark by myself. Yeah. Um, and so get, gets her out of there. And again, none of them know where Sean is. <laughs> they have no idea where Sean is. No. It's, yeah, you're right. I never actually picked up on that, but you're absolutely right. Like, it's just kind of this thing of like, you, so you do know where your second child is? Yeah. No? Okay. Like, I like you guys, but you kind of are shitty parents. Like, yes. I don't mean, I mean, I don't want to like, you know, cast judgment on you, but yeah. that's not good. He's yeah. a young boy. Yes, know where he is. He is. Yes, you need to way. know where he is at all times. <laughs> I don't know yeah. tons about parenting, but I know that much. I need to know where they are at all times. Yes. That's es- important. Yes. Especially the fact that he's gone off with a group of teenagers, which is kind of like, smells like a little bit like hereditary when she's trying to get like a 13 year old daughter to go to like a, her oldest son who I assume is like 17, 18 party. And he's like, and he's like quite there getting stoned because he's a teenager and his sister's like, I think right. I just need some peanuts. It's like, was this the best parenting decision, Tony Collette? <laughs> <laughs> I think she makes a lot of bad decisions in that film. She really does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, going back to Jaws 2, I love you. You're right. There's this kind of, oh, we because a big thing with Spielberg movies that they kind of took on with is like, let's put the kids in danger. Um, and mm-hmm. they really do. I mean, that's the kind of scene I love. You don't get to know the kids all that well because you're sort of looking at the machinations of the town and how Brody proves the shark is back. And then when the kids go out, you suddenly get to know them really well, though. I mean, I love the fact that they're not willing to leave Sean on the capsized boat. That's what I, I liked about it. They're mm-hmm. actually wanting mm-hmm. to everyone to get together, sort of be as safe as they can possibly be. And I like the fact that they obviously know how to boat. Um, which is not a term. Um, they know how to sail. They know the as they know if they can get the boat in a certain direction, the wind's going to take them over to the island. Uh-huh. Um, so I like the kid, the fact that these kids are savvy. Um, like they actually know what they're doing on a boat, and the fact that they're actually they take care of each other. There's no kind of oh we'll leave those ourselves behind and try and save ourselves. It's like no no no, we all have to stick together. We all have to get the boats together. We actually have to get out of this alive um, and not leave a nine year old on a capsized boat. Right. <laughs> I now, like who is he with like sean goes on a boat with a lady that feels like she's much she's like considerably older than everyone else there she I does was like, who is this because she seems to be like hell yeah let's all just ride our boats and yeah go boating this will be fun and i'll take care of the nine-year-old yes but like who are you like who was she <laughs> <Don't know. laughs> that's the thing i mean i wish i got to know the kids a little bit more so i knew no would know their dynamic yeah 
yeah. um, with each other a little bit more before the action kicks off. But um, yeah, because you don't know who Sean's been left with. And now that you yeah. said like, well, why didn't they know Sean wasn't there? It's like, and then his brother leaves him with some random woman. It's just like, what? what is happening? <laughs> yeah, Sean is going to be messed up. When he grows up, we don't really see explore him as no. well, he's in three, but he's not in four, from what I recall. Yeah. Um, and or not significant in four, but Sean would be messed up. He I had these, he was in like the kiddie pool in one. Yeah. Now in two, he watches this lady who was taking care of him uh just get, get eaten. eaten right in front of him. Yeah. You know, uh he was left with her anyway because his brother was like, Yeah, just go on her boat. Yeah. This poor kid. Is really he's gonna be a bit messed up. Sean's gonna be a bit messed up. Yeah, it's so sad when he's sort of on the capsized boat and they're screaming at him to turn around and he won't because he's just staring dead-eyed in the distance of like, I just saw someone who was meant to be taking care of me eaten by a shark. Oh yeah. yeah. That is gonna ruin him. Oh, you know? it absolutely is. For sure. Yeah, that, um, yeah. I, that's a great moment actually. Yeah. But it's yeah, you're like, oh my gosh, this poor kid. And he has parents who really don't care where he is no. for the most time. They're just so, like, oh shit, Sean's here. Okay, we might as well risk you as we went. Oh, we should definitely save Sean then, since we're here. Since we're here. Since we're here. <laughs> he, he is our told, kid. Yeah, he is, he is our kid. And we already know the other. We know where apparently the oldest one is, but the youngest one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just pops up. We never yeah. we never bother to care where he's at. And uh, he just pops up anyway. I also love the kids too. And I love the fact that Keith Gordon is there in his very first uh, role. I saw that after um, the fact. I need to watch it again so I can go, oh, yeah, it's Keith. <laughs> yeah, Keith Gordon, like before he does uh, Christine and, and you know, everything else. Combat Academy with George Clooney, <laughs> uh, which he, he shoots for New World after this. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but Keith Gordon's great in this. And he's the one who, who mentions on the Blu-ray, he talks about uh, the fact that he had a much smaller part. And he ends up taking up most of his, he's in high school at the time. Mm -hmm. So he really spends most of his, one of his years in high school shooting this movie. Oh, wow. Um, because they took a break because he started shooting. He had a smaller part. Mm. They fired the first director. They put everybody on pause mm. and then they rewrote the script, brought everybody back. And then he had a bigger role. Mm. So, um, so he ended up shooting the movie or working on the movie a lot longer than you would think because the production was what it was yeah and working on the water is never easy i mean everyone who's ever had to do shoots on a water for some reason cameron keeps going back to doing that um can attest it it's like the hardest thing in the world because you know the water world they built all these sets on the water a storm comes in destroys everything and they're and a big portion of this movie is on on the water um so yeah it couldn't have been an easy shoot to do especially when if you're those kids at the end and just being stuck in these kind of little ding, dingy boats <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, they did say they got very close and they did get a little clickish. Yeah. But then nobody didn't get along. They all got along. Yeah. But the people would sort of pair off, you know, it was very high schooly in that way. Yeah. Um, as as you would imagine, a mm. bunch of teenagers together shooting this movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you think of the new um, I guess he starts off as Brody's deputy and then suddenly becomes sheriff after Okay, Brody's probably fired with reason, but um, what did you think of the his deputy? 
Well, his deputy is from, I think, wasn't it from the first movie? The guy, Jeffrey Kramer, plays Deputy Jeff. Was he from the first movie? I cannot remember. Um, I believe they were talking about, because I think that that, uh, the director brought him in because he wasn't initially in the script. Yeah. And he was in the original, he was in the original Jaws. Mm -hmm. And they brought him in because he was like, what about that deputy guy? I like that guy. Mm -hmm. I want to bring him in. Yeah. Um, so he he went from not being in the movie to suddenly being in the movie, and then ended up being default the sheriff uh, uh, or chief of police of the of the town, because they fire Brody. Which again is another deleted scene. There's a there's stuff on the Blu-ray where you can see all the deleted scenes. There's a whole scene where they actually tell him that he's fired. It's sort of something that they don't mention, and then he comes home and just says, "I got fired." To you know, Scheider just tells Lorraine Gray, "Oh, I got fired," and you're like, "Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. well." Yeah, right. you're actually true. You don't see the scene when he's fired because you see him on the beach firing a gun, which I can understand if that was if that was an actual shark, yes. He'd be the hero and everyone would go, okay, yes, we know there's a problem. We need to go deal with it. But the same, but this moment there's like, there's no shark. And now you're just acting like the lunatic shooting mm-hmm. a gun in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can kind of see why he was fired for doing that. Um, but you're right. You don't actually get that scene of him being fired. It's just, he comes home and goes, well, I am out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep your job. Make sure yeah. you hold under, which her job is what? I don't know. It's kind of vague. You can tell she's kind of working with the council, but you don't know what she does. She just yeah, kind so of, w- yeah. She's, she's working for, and again, this is more cleared up in the deleted scenes. Yeah. She's working for a guy named, what's his name? Len Peterson, I think. Yeah. Len yeah. Peterson is played by Joseph Mascolo. And he, is a guy who's come to town to like buy a property mm. and he's trying to, so they're bringing people in and having meetings with people and trying to show, they're just trying to show people this is a cool town to live in. Yes. And after the tragedy with the shark, I think they're thinking they'd make a lot of money with people coming they can buy the land cheap, sell it to other people, mm. show them this like beautiful, but that part of the story is not clear in any way in the movie. Like, no, because you know that she's kind of all involved in the events and she's kind of working with the the city council, I guess, with Murray Hamilton, but not for them. And then, yeah, I didn't exactly, I knew she had a job, but I wasn't, I couldn't exactly tell you what it is. I could have, right. she flutters around doing different things. That's probably what my guess would have been. But no, that that makes sense a little bit. The whole, the fact what the shark could do to the property like, prices. <laughs> the fact that though a, like, a real estate guy would come into town to sell off basically parts of the town, but also manage to get himself into the city council. I, I don't know how that works, but I, maybe I'm just not understanding how small a town Amity is, but it just seems like, boy, he's made short work in four yes. years uh, since the shark attack to just, you know, uh, insinuate himself in this entire town. Yeah, because I didn't, yeah, exactly, because I didn't recognize um, Jeffrey Kramer um, from the first one, and I was like, oh, he has a dopey deputy, but I don't remember him from the first movie, so mm-hmm. I was kind of coming in completely fresh, and I was like, oh, God, who's this guy? And the fact that he becomes sheriff, I'm like, that doesn't feel right. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and he is sort of like, he's fine, like, yeah. it is one of those, luckily, he's not in the movie a ton, and not yet. at least is like, I don't really want to be you know uh, yeah i don't want to be the chief of police that's he just not, wants that's to go you. out voting yeah yeah so and he instantly breaks the rules yeah for, for brody so i was like okay he's yeah. fine i i can see i appreciate him uh the director coming in and trying to pull more elements from the first film yeah this is definitely a movie i think that like 
does succeed in what it succeeds in and because you have such familiarity with mm-hmm. it and that's maybe why they left out a lot of details because you kind of know these people to a degree you know the mayor you know the other thing funny enough the the deleted scene the mayor is the only one who votes to not fire him so that's another moment that i think would be would have been interesting to keep in it would have been because um i do love how the relationship develops between the mayor and Brody in the first one just because you know we need those summer dollars we can't be closing the beach it's 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 independence day um is it independence day the first one um, I, I think so yeah, yeah. I, it's at um, least in the summer it's, it's in always, the summer yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. those summer dollars and it's then his kid is attacked and he kind of there's a kind of a nice relationship built up between the two so I like the idea of him not voting to fire Brody yeah it's nice him. I yeah. don't know why they got rid of that scene but I guess they're just like, we just kind of move everything along and it, yeah. they want to get to the, the you know, the big rescue with uh, Brody going out and saving all the kids. Yeah, because this movie does really move really well. I mean, you never feel um, like it's stalling that there are kind of like Grizzly 2 where you're just looking at these things going, that wouldn't have made it into a normal movie. Um, but they, <laughs> it, it really moves really well. So it does feel like it moves really, really quickly um even with some of the the town politics that it's kind of hinting at because you do get um the scene with the scuba diver right at the beginning that sort of hints that okay yeah the shark is back and then it kind of goes into the town stuff and then you get the whole water skiing scene um which I actually kind of love just (laughs) coming up behind her just taking her um and then being watched from another kid on the beach um I do actually really like that but you know I think it moves really well so by the time you get to the um the final act it you don't feel like you've been kind of stalling or waiting for that to come up but now you're just happy that jaws is gonna take literally sink a helicopter (laughs) which is a scene that i love (laughs) oh so terrific and of course that one sunk i think they had one that was really they made a duplicate that was really light and it didn't and it flip backwards i think which they were like yeah you, that's not going to happen um <laughs> but um that's that uh skiing scene water skiing scene was actually one that once um uh, uh the director was hired to replace the first director he actually said let's do that scene and shot that scene to give carl gottlieb time to rewrite the script oh wow yeah so he was like let me go out and shoot all that because that we don't need a script for that yeah. there's really nothing there so we'll shoot some of that's that and maybe a few other things mm. and give him time to rework the script so we can then then shoot what it, what the new movie is going to be yes no that would make sense because it is kind of a really cool set piece like it's yeah it's having fun on the water there's um you know someone water skiing and all of a sudden you just like i love the, how the fact the shark sneaks up on people i love it um you just see the, <laughs> the fin the, that music and then it kind of goes um goes into the the shark attack it's actually quite a really fun set piece it sort of gives you the oh i'm in a slasher now and i'm, I'm happy to be here mm-hmm. oh totally. yeah it definitely has slasher vibes and it makes sense because when you're water skiing you're not paying attention to a lot else other than you're that balance yeah exactly you're not yeah you're, you're really not- concentrating and it's loud yes and there's water splashing in your face so like i get you probably wouldn't see it but yeah yeah and i love that underwater pov that they they have for the shark too that that was something the director fought really hard to get. And it's a good, it's a great little moment to see it kind of going through the the wake that the boat mm. is leaving. Yes. I thought that was great. It was a great little moment. It's a really cool little moment. And it just kind of, yeah, it, it helps the pacing a lot. And it makes you feel like, oh, I'm not just sort of waiting around for the shark attack at the end. I'm actually just enjoying the familiar faces and I'm also enjoying this kind of 
the, what the the shark is doing and it's yeah it's just really really fun um it's what my next point was um no it's just this really again just a really really fun movie um i love the fact how they set up the um the electrical um wire right at the beginning so they're mm-hmm. tripling and they find this oh we've been not break mm-hmm. this because we can cut the power to the town and that is of course how they take out jaws in the end of this movie which um i like just brody go come on you bastard come and get me <laughs> <laughs> holding this thing i imagine though the way that they react to him from after the first jaws mm-hmm. like when he comes back to town and goes, well, I took care of that shark. They're like, we didn't notice because we've been too busy having no power. Yes. <laughs> so you took out all the power of Amity and now we have no power. So yeah, thanks, thanks a lot. lot. <laughs> thanks a lot, Brody. If you think Brody you're getting just, your job back, you're yeah. mistaken. You just yes, took out the entire, say. yeah. <laughs> We're going to be spending a week trying to fix the electricity grid. You know, we're just going to take forever. Yes. Um. Yeah, yeah, we did. We have no power now. Thank you so much. Um, I do love He's that. Like, Wait, just... I killed another shark. <laughs> killed another shark, guys. You know how hard that is. Like, yeah, yeah, two gray no whites. <laughs> <laughs> Tell that to my fridge, okay? I had to take everything out of the freezer because I have no power. Yes. <laughs> um, it is kind of glorious. I love the fact that um, as you zoom behind you, you can kind of see the fire starting to build up in the shark before he just goes boom um it's it's quite a marvelous little explosion there (laughs) yeah i mean it's a smart idea and plus you get a little shider sort of like crawling along it at first because he 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 crashes the the um police boat into that little uh island section which actually was a fake island they actually created that whole little section out in the middle of the ocean uh keith gordon goes into a lot of detail about how mm-hmm. they created it and it's just like a giant they just created these fake rocks and all this stuff and so it was very slippery people <laughs> could not hold on to it very well it was very hard to to move on it yeah. um but you know you you it looks fantastic it looks like it's always like it was meant to be there no it really looked like there was just a little offshoot rocky island that was in the middle of the the ocean that it looked really 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 realistic so um i do yeah. like that a lot um yeah, no, Jaws 2 is just really, oh, the one point I wouldn't get into, um, they got Williams, John Williams back, because of course you have to, because it's it's Jaws, but there are some amazing little moments where this music feels a bit too um, amazing, kind of like what Grizzly does, you have this amazing kind of music, and you're kind of seeing this weird movie around it, there's one scene when you're kind of getting people just hanging out on the beach, and this amazingly gorgeous, jaunty um, Williams music, but then you're watching kids eat ice cream and then three bikini uh, clad women just and just focusing on their asses while you're listening to John <laughs> it just was such a weird moment for me <laughs> just like yep it this is. is a sequel <laughs> okay yeah different this is not Spielberg this is no. a different sensibility yes, it is. <laughs> but that music does really tie it in too and you're right mm. they don't use a lot of the main score a lot no. which maybe they could have but I think the director was really trying to say he wanted to show the shark a lot more and he wanted mm. to like, which they kept saying, don't show him, don't show him. And he's like, you can't, like the genie's out of the bottle. Like yeah. you can't just continue to like, you know. Yeah, you can't uh, keep, pretend there's pretend like a- you, Yeah, something else. Yeah. Yeah. And so you kind of know, so you should show it. Um, but I think he wanted to maybe, uh, maybe not use, maybe he didn't want to use the score so much. I don't know mm. for sure. I'm just speculating, but I, maybe he didn't want to use that score so much because he didn't want to 
keep reminding you that definitely is a reminder of the first film but maybe you didn't want to keep saying yeah remember the first one remember the first one uh, remember think... how much you like the first one this isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think because he was trying to really i think he was really trying to go out on his own and yeah. make a, like you know mm. a, a different kind of movie where you'd see the shark a lot more mm. i don't think he always won those battles but he wanted to show the shark a lot more mm. um which you do see a lot of in the in the end. Yeah. Uh, oh, probably yes, more than the, the first yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. I think you see a lot of him swimming around those boats mm. and everything else. So Yeah, especially when he's just like trying to um take off the the kids from the edges. It's yeah, it's a really effective moment. And the fact that you do see him, it kind of works because you're like, oh, he's definitely there and he's definitely going, I will eat these children. These look very tasty. <laughs> it's a it was a good looking shark too. They had the, they basically had the frames from the original one. Yeah. But they had all been like, I guess, put somewhere on Universal Studios mm. and they had like kind of all this, the skin around these frames mm. had basically whatever rotted off or were no longer any mm. good. So they had to redo the skin on them, but they had the original frames for all of them. Uh, so yeah, so that's I've why always, I think they look very similar. Yeah, I've always liked the um, the look of even the first Jaws, um, look, the look and design of the Shark of Jaws. It's always been really effective and um really really creepy is this this is the movie that kind of plants the seed of this is a shark that might be out for revenge because i sort of remember a line saying sharks don't get revenge and brody's just like going you want to bet um because mm-hmm. he is going after these kids and it just happens because they just don't know where their kids are um that they're there but you sort of it sort of starts planting the seed of oh this is a, these are sharks that are wanting revenge on the brody family yeah, even though it's a different shark, yeah. and this is one that's definitely different because he's got the scar face. He's yes, scar scar jaws. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah. So it's like oh, he's got he's that's just, that's a shark who's seen some shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, but yeah, I guess they're definitely playing. I mean, smartly, I guess that's why you go for part four and make mm-hmm. it jaws the revenge because there are you're just picking that seed off of the second one and going, yeah, the shark's really going to come after them now. Yeah. Um, but they kill the shark every time. So I don't know. It can't really be the same. They just, sharks just, I guess what happens is sharks tell other sharks what's going down. Yeah. And And this Brody guy needs to be stopped. They're a catty bunch. (laughs) Yeah. And they really can't help but talk about the Brody family. They're like, if you get a chance, you should probably take them down. If you have to follow them around the world, do it and just kill them because they're not great you know yeah, and no, they're, they're, they're not great parents no they're not <laughs> they will never know where their children are <laughs> <laughs> so i mean they're, it's worth it worth it take them down <laughs> no abs- absolutely um anything else you want to say about jaws 2 uh, i did do a little research on what mm. the original movie was john d oh, hancock yes. was the original director and this is according to an article I found on the Daily Jaws, mm. which was written by Michael A. Smith. He's the co-author of the book about mm-hmm. the making of Jaws 2. So this is according to the original script, which if you read a the um, novelization of Jaws 2, mm. if you manage to find it, the novelization is actually based on this script. Oh, um, awesome. The, yeah. Uh, I think it's what Howard uh, Sackler, I think, mm. is the guy who wrote the original. Yes, Howard Sackler um, co-wrote, I think, the original script. Mm. So they um so i think it will extrapolate from there the novelization but it's basically based on that original script so in it um amity is actually more of a ghost town because Mm. of the shark attack so like no one's there for the summer Mm. and then we have some new characters one of which is len peterson uh who ends up being lorraine gray's boss Mm. but we have another character which i love called sideburns 
which is Quint's son. And he's come there hoping to collect the reward his father should have earned. Uh, but he you got know, eat, bitten in half, yes. But got, got passed away, uh, but passed away trying to do it. Yeah. And then there's also a businessman named Boyle, who is mm. way too close to Brody for my mm. liking, but uh, who is hoping to rebuild the town by capitalizing on the tragedy. So he's like, hey, let's lean into this. We yeah. got attacked by a shark. Let's just make it like, you know, Shark Town and just mm. like rebuild the town like that. And then Len Peterson is also just, you know, this real estate guy hoping to make money. Mm. So, of course, a new shark arrives. And much like what it ends up in, in Jaws 2, it attacks the kids on the boats. So then uh, Brody teams with Boyle and Peterson, and they head out on Peterson's boat. Peterson has a really nice boat, yeah. I guess. And they end up killing the shark with the boat's twin engines. Oh, um, yeah. But of course, they didn't make this because Carl Gottlieb came in and he rewrote this and he added the deputy and expanded the teenagers, mm. the roles. Um, and I don't know from this article, maybe the book, what happens to sideburns? Is he just a guy that shows up in the beginning and he doesn't stick around? <laughs> because, I mean, you have a guy named Sideburns who's Quint's son. Yeah. I kind of want a lot of sideburns, you know? I, I like, do you, as well. You, you got to give me sideburns. You got to make it, him significant. You do, you do. It's like in Community when Starburns was one of my favorite characters. And... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe you would have been too cute, you'd think, to have like the son of Quint mm. and Brody and then this other guy who's a businessman mm. on the boat, I guess. Maybe you think, well, oh, that's too much. But I say bring it on. I would love to see. Yeah. In fact, no, and no other sequel do we get to see Quint's son. No. Um, which I would have loved. So I would have loved to see that version. So apparently the studio, though, found it to be a little dark. And they thought it was a little because, of course, it's, you know, he, this is about a town nobody's there yeah towns had this tragedy and in fact there's a scene where he uh gives a ticket where scheider gives a ticket to the mayor's son who the mm. mayor's son is always like he's kind of a you know an asshole and mm. picks up sean a lot and throws him in the water and does all this stuff mm. which maybe the brodies notice or maybe they don't no, because they're knows? not great parents so no. who knows I don't know. Um, and, and they actually changed that that ticket scene to Len Peterson in the actual uh, uh, Jaws 2 that they make. Oh, yes. Again, that's, yeah. that's a cut. That's a cut scene. They cut yeah. that scene out. too. Okay, where he, yeah. He writes him a ticket and he's like, seriously, you're going to give me a ticket right now? Yeah. Um, and because he's, you know, I'm your wife's boss, mm. which again, would have been more explanation as to why she's hanging out with this guy all the time yes but um but yeah so that was that was it i just wanted to like i was very curious about the original uh, version it's fascinating to me that you just can't make a giant shark movie without there being tons of issues <laughs> <laughs> and and also makes it kind of a amazing that they you know uh that they made so many of these movies that they even made as many as they did yeah um and they then for a third one, the producers were if they were going to make a third one right after Jaws two, they were saying that they should make a uh, they should make a, basically a movie that makes fun of the other two Jaws movies. Mm. So they would just make like a parody. So that's yeah. what they wanted to do for a third one, which they did not do. No, the third one. but 3D was a thing, and they went, "Hang on, yeah, yeah." <laughs> but also, Piranha had already shown up, and there was a lot yeah. of that. So maybe yes. they they didn't want to go that route. But um, but yeah. That's just a little, I had to do a little research. No, you know? that is, that's amazing. Cause I didn't do that research. I got so caught up on the, on Grizzly 2 that I completely forgot to do any research. Grizzly 2 is just, God, what a whole, that's just, 
you go down that rabbit hole and you are there for you hours and hours. You do not come out the other side. Um, you do not no, go through the looking glass. You are just <laughs> stuck down there. Yes. You are stuck down there. You eventually end up in Hungary and wondering how you got there. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's, but no, that is absolutely amazing because you can kind of see them going, yes, we need to make a Jaws sequel. We need to make a Jaws sequel because Jaws made all the money in the world. Um, so much, yeah. So much. Um, and then is the thing of, okay, so what do we do after it? Do we do this kind of towns being broken by it? They need to try and rebuild it. There's another shark. Or do we go the more 1978 slasher um, role? I'm kind, I would love to have seen, especially if Sideburns comes up and it's Quint's son and we need to, that would have been an amazing side plot just because the fact that he's oh, a major yeah. asshole, I would have loved it. Um, oh. Oh. And whoever you would have cast for that, I mean, what a that would have been just such an amazing that you just get to do Rob, yeah. Robert Shaw part two. Exactly. I mean, that just would have been terrific. I mean, yeah, the um the dolls, no, there's um that's that's Halloween. And no, it's a doll, no, doll's eyes is is Jaws, isn't it? I'm getting I'm getting my dark eyes confused uh, monologue. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. yes that is the, the first one yes um but the fact that because he, he gets one of the most <laughs> often quoted monologues in a movie and the fact that you get this like little guy who comes in to be quint to it'd be like yes um it's it's kind of yeah, to be amazing to see that movie but at the same time i'm kind of happy with this one because it is such just a fun slasher movie that does what it does really well I can't mm -hmm. fault it. I mm -hmm. mean, by the end of it, I was really tense. I'm like, oh my God, are these kids going to get out of it or are they just going to get eaten? Um, even though I knew that wasn't a case, I knew some of them were going to get eaten. Um, and it's, yeah, it, oh, there's a shot with the two kids. I think it's after they realize they've actually been saved um, or they think they've been saved and they, two of them just start making out in the background. <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> couldn't wait couldn't, couldn't wait, wait. <laughs> i don't think they're even fully saved i think it was one of those things that they think because there's many times where you think they've you think they've been saved and no it's not the shark is going to foil them again um but yeah they're just like oh we're saved let's let's start making out um <laughs> it's it's great <laughs> well yeah and and it, this was one of those movies we want to talk about how much grizzly too yeah basically set the stage for modern cinema jaws 2 really sets the stage in terms of franchises because while it yeah. doesn't quite duplicate the amount of money that the first one made which it made all the money it made mm. every month it made all money it made all money and it invented it, money to make invented more money, money. <laughs> invented its own currency it and did. then made and then grossed all of it yes um, but the second one was so successful that people were like oh i see so we have to keep our costs to a certain range mm. and we know there's going to be a certain percentage drop off but we can continue to make these sequels so almost i don't i'm not going to say it's the the only one that sort of got that ball rolling but it certainly became a model that got imitated into the 80s as they saw okay we can see we'll continue to make money off of the original if we got a hit we can make a sequel and make a certain no we're going to make a certain percentage of profit yeah because i mean this is going into the 80s which was all about the the sequel and i think even yeah. before then they knew sometimes i could make a sequel if it made money but it was always more always more half-hearted but if you could kind of keep your costs down you realize it and you could still make 
you can make a property that would just continuously make money because people are going to go, oh, I'm going to go see the new Jaws movie, just as like they would go, oh, I'm going to go see the Halloween or the Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. which really ran with it. Um, no, you're or absolutely grizzly. right. Or Grizzly. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, look at the fact that this guy like swindled money out of Grizzly 2, mm. that he was like saw Grizzly 2 as this money-making, you know, opportunity. <laughs> yes. I'm going to take this money. We're going to go to Hungary. I'm going to leave day one, mm. take the money with me, run out, eventually serve time in two different countries for yes. swindling people out of their money. Like, <laughs> you know, like crazy. And he's just making it off of Grizzly of all yes. movies. He's it's, not even yeah. making it off of like something like Jaws. No, Grizzly, Grizzly was a um, 42nd Street or um, drive-in kind of movie. It wasn't yeah. where Jaws or even something like Piranha was being positioned. And I love Grizzly, but that's where Grizzly 2 would, would be sitting. um and yeah they even yeah i mean um was richard corman very did he kind of get quick to that pretty much straight away when he realized oh i could make these sequels or was he still kind of um he did make sequels but that is more into the 80s yeah because and now what he did when he sold new world pictures to the three guys that Mm. bought it from him is that he did something that i don't think gets enough uh, credit and attention and what he did is that he kept all the rights to his movies that he made in his iteration of new yeah. world pictures yeah so he really starts making he does make like a series of films like he, they did mm-hmm. uh a, like a nurses series which they started yes. with student nurses yeah. and then they would do like successive nurses movies mm-hmm. they weren't always the same characters but they were sort of a cycle mm-hmm. but he would do like you know big bad mama was a huge success he makes Big Bad Mama 2 10 years later with, with Concord Pictures, which he's moved on, yeah. but he owns the rights to all his stuff. So he starts making a lot of sequels, but, you know, because he has the rights, you know, to them later, but yeah. he didn't quite do it because he sold them in the early 80s. So mm. I don't think he was quite on to, I'm trying to think if he'd done, done uh, if he did many, he would have made a Piranha 2, but he didn't own the rights. In fact, he started talking, he actually asked John Sales to put in, mm like a baby or something, some seed that they can make another piranha mm-hmm. right off the bat. But the the original screenwriters or the producers that had the original screenplay, they own the rights. Oh. That's why they went off and they made Piranha 2 with yeah. James Cameron. Yeah. So they immediately went out and made a sequel. He couldn't make a sequel mm. um, on on because he didn't own those rights, mm. but he would have. So yeah. he's definitely thinking about it around that time. Yeah. Uh, and how he can make, you know, um, more of those kinds of movies. And he did a lot of women's prisons movies, which mm. are sort of sequels in a way. Yeah. They used Bird a lot. He made uh, three biker movies that all used Angel in the title. Like he did sort of things like that, but he wasn't really making proper sequels till later mm. when he said, let me look at all my stuff that I did very well with at New World Pictures and yes. I'll start making sequels for them now that I have my own company. I don't know why those guys bought just the name New World Pictures and not the... <laughs> catalog yes but we weren't really into vhs we were just starting to dip our toes into like the video era yeah so they probably didn't think much of like why do we want why do we want a bunch of old cans of films who cares about that yeah no i mean they must have been thinking exactly because um i can't remember who was talking about it with um but yeah film preservation wasn't a thing it was like oh god these cans they're bulky i don't want them no one is going to care about it in 20 years we just may need to make things for now and now it's like all the boutique label blu-ray blu-ray labels are going oh no we these are treasures and we can and they're actually working as film preservation companies almost mm-hmm. like vinegar syndrome mm-hmm. um to screen factory to criterion to um arrow and all those kind of ones they kind of yeah these very kind of specific film preservation kind of things because they're just 
they want to they are working with older films that they have to buy the rights to but they're kind of making this preservation thing when back in the day no one cared i mean there were still missing episodes of doctor who because the bbc were just like well we'll mm-hmm. reuse things we're not gonna save anything who who's gonna care about this in 20 years apparently a lot of people um <laughs> but um no it's fascinating that this is kind of the you're right i think yeah there were sequels and corman did make the post cycle but that's i think is only considered a franchise now because it's a lot of it had vincent price in it and directed by corman so yeah. even though they weren't really meant to be linked at all um no. but they made and, like one a year yeah and that was for american international pictures yeah um and he was on a contract to make a lot of movies for them in fact those kind of those movies and the money that they made off those is mm. kind of what kind of led him to start new world pictures oh, and wow. yeah. they're off because he was like why am i making all these movies for everyone else and then they go off and distribute them and make all that money mm. i could be making way more money off this stuff and and he but he i believe he brought them to him because, uh, or he brought the idea of doing mm. Edgar Allan poe movies to aip because they were in the public domain and mm. he was like kids he always loves to go back to to high school kids yeah he test marketed like actors and titles and tons of stuff with teenagers and high schools and he was like when you know kids in high school they have to read Edgar Allan Poe so let's Mm. make these movies and then they'll go see the movies because they already have to read these books that is actually a really smart idea Coleman the ever consummate businessman (laughs) yeah his it's kind of a fascinating guy. He had like fairly liberal politics, but boy, he looked at, uh, you know, movies as such a capitalist, you know, it's a, it's really a trip. He, he really saw like, this is, we can make this money. The model of course ran out for him in terms oh. of like drive-in movies yeah. and all that sort of stuff. He sort of had, but he's still making movies. He's in his nineties. He's in his mid nineties. Unbelievable. I still keeps going. No, Cause I love the stories, especially when you're talking to a lot of female directors, like I mean, they all all say, look, I got hired by Corman because I was cheap. I'm a female director. He's going to hire me. He's not going to pay me that much money. But as long as I put a certain percentage of boobs in my movie, I can do whatever I want. (laughs) Like there is no, um, I just need these kind of every, say, 20 minutes, I just need a boob shot. But everything else I can do. So you get humanoids from the deep that was still in the Mm -hmm. new world. Um, Yep, Slumber, slumber party massacre i think yep. even dressed to kill might have been a bit later on i don't know if that was new world but i think it was produced by coleman um and you yes. do get these movies where yeah they have boobs in them but they directors just got well i got free reign to do whatever i want <laughs> yeah i mean the especially for something like uh slumber party massacre like the scene where all the women are you know done playing basketball and they're in mm. the showers it's very like goes up and down and it's yeah. clearly amy holden jones who directed it is just going okay here's the shot this is the shot that you want <laughs> yeah, this is what you want you got it hope i can move on now <laughs> <laughs> it's just very interesting um i just recently saw that the new beverly with the crowd it was an absolute oh, blast that would have been my blast i haven't seen oh, um, those so movies in a, with the crowd yet that would be so much fun <laughs> oh, it was oh the crowd was yeah. perfect it was just so such a blast but then later she makes um love letters for new world pictures as well which mm-hmm. is a um, jamie lee curtis movie and much more of a like a drama uh yeah. and there's a there's nudity in it too yeah. i mean of course he, she had to throw in a little uh, but like she gets to make that movie and then yes. eventually goes on and, and write, I think writes the original script for mystic pizza and has a long career in TV. So, you know, like he, he would provide those, you know, the, those, those opportunities, Barbara Peters, who directs humanoids from the deep. Mm. However, she thought she was making a different movie 
Yes, and yes, he brought did. in another director to direct <laughs> all the nude nudity scenes, which she did not care for and was not pleased with. <laughs> no, she still got to make her movie, but Cornwall was like, um, where are my boobs? You, you, yeah. you can't be made. <laughs> the cast, and they all thought they were getting a much different, they were in a much different uh, movie. That's what they thought yeah. they were. They thought they were in this like very serious environmental movie about these creatures that come up the scene. We're supposed yeah. to go look, look what we're doing to the environment, yeah. you know? Uh, instead, what they got was these creatures and lots of boobs yes. and lots of gore <laughs> yes. at the end, and it, it's it's a complete blast. It's super oh, I love fun. humanoids. Yeah. Oh, it's so yeah. fun. But I mean, yeah, I can understand being upset if that's yeah. the movie you thought you were making, and instead it becomes this very exploitative film. I I get it. I understand your disappointment, but it's yeah. a lot of fun. It is still a lot of fun. Um, Tons of fun. Yes, and that kind of what makes Coleman special. Like he knew when to not always i mean he did obviously miss step occasionally but he always knew how to raise talent and how to let them just do their thing but was only just a can i just need these three things so this movie will sell but other than that go and do what you what you want and it's yeah it's it's always been a, I, that's what i've always loved coleman um because of that reason yeah no that it's a great cycle. point and i <laughs> and, and i'm sorry that in the post cycle <laughs> yes yes which are great you yeah. know actually he's he's actually a really good filmmaker he really is yeah um and i i recently saw a movie of his that i actually really liked and it is again that same sort of exploitative thing it's called i think the disc itself is called it had several titles as most yeah. of corman's stuff usually did it's called the trouble with harry and it was something they were making for tv it's vic morrow oh sort yeah. of doing a sort of james bond thing and i think they shot it in um Budapest yeah. and, and and which looks amazing like the mm. whole movie looks terrific Corman shows up in a little cameo as a guy yeah. working on the docks it's a great little movie but then they shot 10 years later much like Grizzly too yeah. they shot in all these scenes of like supposedly Vic Morrow like having sex with this different lady but the two people look <laughs> totally different like their bodies look different they're not what the guy's tan like it's yeah. not they, i know these bodies aren't theirs yes. so they did stuff like that to try to then sell it because i think they were making it for tv as a potential yeah. like series is yeah. what they were thinking it didn't go that way so they're yeah. like years later i think even his, his brother said let's throw some some nudity in yeah. it and we'll sell it my point is, is that he's a he's a really good filmmaker. The thing watch, when I was watching, I was like, you know what? This is actually really good. Like, obviously it has these cheapo nude scenes thrown yeah. in, but like he really could make a movie. And the deeper I dive into New World Pictures, uh, the deeper we go with all this uh, Corman stuff and you see all the different mm. people that he hired, the more I just think he had just, he has these incredible instincts. Oh yeah. That just not a lot of other people have. Like, it's true, he was able to find all this wonderful talent. Now, granted, he exploited all of them. Oh, he and, did. You know, just took them and took them for nothing because they he knew they would work for cheap and they wouldn't stay long. Yeah. Um, Scorsese, infamous... Scorsese talks about this fondly. Like, he goes, yeah, he taught me how to make a movie on budget because I was being exploited. So if I needed to, mm -hmm. to finish this, this is what I had to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, Ron Howard has a famous story that he says when he was shooting... Um, uh, the movie he made eat my dust yeah uh for corman he wanted to like he had all these extras in the stand for this racing hmm. scene and he wanted more extras uh, i hope i'm not murdering this story but anyway no. he wanted more extras and corman was like you get what you get you yeah. get more yeah. and he was like i really like if we could i'd just like to spend a little bit more and get more people and yeah. he basically said to him like ron i'm not gonna do that but <laughs> if this movie is good you're never gonna have to work for me again yes <laughs> <laughs> so he was always like very like honest with people like yeah. 
if you do well, you're going to have a great career and you don't have to ever put up with my nonsense ever again. Yes. But I'm not going to give you more money. No, that's definitely not going to happen. You're never going to get more money out of Coleman. He'll find ways to get money out of you, but he'll never actually, um, you'll never actually get more money out of him, which I've always found no. fascinating. <laughs> he, in fact, he loved to cut budgets. Uh, Halfway like, through movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> halfway through or before like piranha oh. he he took away two hundred thousand dollars before they started shooting oh wow <laughs> yeah now it was co-financed with united artists because yeah. they were they were doing the foreign distribution yeah and they made a they made a bunch of money on in yeah. foreign so they they did well but in something where they had like i think it was supposed to be for like nine hundred thousand dollars suddenly it's 700 <laughs> because corman's like yep i'm gonna take 200 out of that yeah, yeah. I, probably to make something else yes yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a fascinating really fascinating dude and, no uh, he really really is and which is why you should all listen to the new world uh new world uh podcast because you just get all these kind of details and it's all these different movies um and you have such this amazing brain for just like the memory of that and all that kind of uh, thing that um, I, I, yeah thank you i try i try <laughs> no fact checkers yeah fact checkers might say different who knows they might <laughs> oh i hate to say what a fact checker would say but when i go into like a rant i heard about this about this movie and then i look up two weeks later i might go okay so that wasn't completely right <laughs> <laughs> um thank you so much for coming on this was an absolute blast i finally get to talk to you about movies i've been looking forward to this me too thank you so much for having me on this is an absolute blast i love listening to your podcast you have a really sincere and uh infectious uh, love of movies and it's it's just a blast to listen to your podcast so I, i'm i'm thrilled to be a part of an episode so oh, thank you so much thank you so much for coming on and yeah i love your podcast just the way you three talk together is just you have an event the same infection erica just sometimes sounds confused um but i love it <laughs> um but she can really sort of nail down things about a movie and it's um absolutely great and no it's a thank really you. amazing thank podcast <laughs> thank you so much for saying that likewise um and this was just awesome thank you yeah. so much thank you for for putting up with grizzly too and uh <laughs> as we said it's an experience an it's an experience, experience. <laughs> I really think it's an experience everyone should have. Just yes. know it's not a great movie, yes. but it's an experience. <laughs> it's definitely an experience. It's a delight. It's something I will watch again and again. Oh, so, me too. Um, I'm so yeah. glad I own this thing now. Um, it's 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 amazing. Um, Ryan, please tell the people we, where they can find your good work. Okay. Well, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us at, uh, look up New World Pictures Podcast. Mm -hmm. I think we are new underscore world underscore podcast. Mm -hmm. I think that might be a... The, the thing but uh new world pictures podcast look us up um and we're available wherever you can find uh podcasts and we're also on instagram and facebook and all the social stuff mm. if you want to find us there but that's where you can find us yeah. and uh check us out we're doing some fun stuff this this uh i don't know when this is coming out but we're Next doing some week, fun actually so yeah oh okay <laughs> yeah. oh well we're doing some fun stuff for for october as you are as well um yeah i'm i'm i can't wait for the next uh evil dead installment so i'm super excited <laughs> yes. for that um but we're going to be talking about uh, we've already put out an episode about ghost town yeah. we're going to be doing hellraiser mm. oh we're yes. going to be talking about our favorite horror franchises oh excellent uh, do an episode about that and we'll also do an episode uh that we're recording just coming up next week uh where we're going to rank all of the hellraiser films uh, all 10 of them oh so, amazing i keep saying i'm going to watch the final five and i haven't started yet so i need to get on that um <laughs> i see one to five I, uh, Erica is not the biggest fan of the Hellraiser movies, <laughs> and this um, she has been. This is this was a Mark idea, and yeah. she has been very upset. 
<laughs> particularly because well, I think when she signed off on it, she thought that there was only eight. Oh, this yeah, they snuck in two more. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, there's two more. They did two more to keep the rights. Yeah. And she was like, there's 10? <laughs> Her face. Oh, man, she was so furious. Uh, but we can't wait. We're all excited. to. We're going to rank all 10 of them. So oh, there should be I'm a lot of fun. Really looking forward to that one because I'm becoming around on Hellraiser. But as I said, I've only seen the first five um to the scott that's pretty good right there yeah that's the the first five you're you're doing pretty well yeah yeah i've seen the first five i'd seen the first four and then i had to watch on and i've seen the first five of the children of the corn movies and i feel like that's pretty good that's really good i think that's pretty good i think i've actually i need that's something i need to clear up i need to see a children of the corn so (laughs) well (laughs) well definitely listen to it and listen to us talk or watch it and listen to us talk about it because that's our first that was our first episode ever was children of the corn the first ah, yes i haven't I've gone one. back and listened to the early ones so i need to go back and listen to that because that is absolutely um sounds amazing um thank you so much for listening to schlock and awe as usual you can find us on all the apps um follow us on instagram and twitter at schlock and all one um and if you want to follow me it's just on reading geek um thank you again ryan for coming on this has been an absolute blast i can't wait to have you back I already know december oh. um december um one that sounded really great so terrific be, i can't yes, wait can't wait yes um so yes thank you very much yep we're going to be having um the third time this comes out it'll be the third installment of the evil dead with daniel oh. epler oh can't um, wait so that is going to be absolutely great um and yeah with army of darkness and yeah we'll, we will be back with another double feature all right thanks guys bye Oh, <laughs>